This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Episode number 177. I'm Jason. I'm Jeff. No Blake. Blake uh, Blake had a prior commitment. Yes. So he will not be here this week. But do not despair. Uh, we stole a graphic novel, or a, a graphic novel, a uh, writer. Uh, we, uh, say his name, Jeff, because I always screw it up. Andrea? Yes, Andrea Molinari. Yes, who wrote The Shepherd. He will be joining us uh, a little bit later on. Uh, we had a nice interview with him in that uh, about his book, his graphic novel, The Shepherd. He wrote with his son Roberto, and uh, it was awesome. So uh, we stole those guys. We stole them from Three Six Five Flicks. So screw you, Three Six Five. Yes, and, uh, he, he's ours now. Yeah, yeah, he's from America, anyways. So, yeah, America. Yeah, yeah. he is from Michigan though, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Home of Big Dev. But anyway, so thank you everybody for listening. Um, you know, after uh, last week, the girl from Osaka, uh, we have had a lot of new listeners, and we appreciate it the last couple months. Uh, a lot of people are listening. We don't know why, but we appreciate it. Uh, so tell a friend. Go to iTunes and uh, give us a, ra- a rating. Uh, you can follow us You on... did it wrong. No, I know. Blake is not here. So you know what? I'm ruling that. Stuff. You didn't. Did you see his? Uh, he sent a comment. Oh, I did see. Uh, I did see the he one. He said we're some. He said, Scab Blake has to tell us to to tell a friend. Scab Blake's not here. And then, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I was taking over the role of Scab Blake. Okay, go week. ahead, Jeff. What, go ahead. Do yeah. it. <clears throat> so tell a friend, and then what? Uh, write a review on iTunes. No, apologize. Oh, my bad. Sorry, I had to do the bit. <laughs> uh, we're on Bad Ideas at uh, Twitter. Bad Ideas Podcast, I mean. Uh, we're on the History of Bad Ideas uh, Podcast on Facebook, Tumblr. I don't know, some scary thing. I don't know about it anymore. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so please leave us reviews. That helps us. And tell a friend. Uh, people have been listening, so we appreciate it a lot. Uh, moving on here. Uh, Captain Kirk, Thomas Kirk, has requested by Twitter that we talk about the Star Trek Discovery trailer. So, oh, he has. Yes. Did you see the Star Trek? Nope. It is beautiful. Uh, it is. So I'm in it repeatedly. Yes, yes Jeff, okay. you are in it. Uh, no, it is very beautiful. Uh, it does not look like something that will be on CBS's uh, pay site or whatever it is. You know, the on-demand site that you have to pay. Oh, for. is that what it is? It's yeah. The 
new. I I thought it was the next movie. No. Nope. Oh, it's the new TV show. Okay. Uh, it's a new TV show. It stars Sasha from The Walking Dead, and uh, she's a captain. I don't know. I don't get the whole Star Trek corporal thing and all that stuff. I don't understand ranks in the military. Here's the problem I have with Star Trek. I'm getting confused with Orville, uh, the Seth MacFarlane one. I can't remember what's on which. <laughs> So I don't know who's on who. Uh, no, it does look good. I'm not going out of my way to get to CBS, you know, app or whatever. Yeah, that's the problem. I'm not paying ten dollars for it. Oh, you is that what it a, is? Yeah, you, or five dollars. Five dollars. Five a month. I think it's five a month. You can get everything CBS has ever made, which I don't know if that's a good thing either. Yeah, I mean the the one good thing was I always liked the uh, show The Good Wife mm-hmm. and the spinoff of The Good Wife, The Good Fight. Yes. Is also only available on. Uh, they, they teased us with the first uh, episode mm-hmm. they showed on CBS, and then the rest of it is, you know, you can get it on our uh, our app. So it's already better than the CISO uh, uh, Already better than network. CISO Network, yes. yes. <laughs> Moment of silence for the CISO Network. <laughs> uh, so there you go, to, uh, Captain Kirk. We talk about Discovery. Uh, it looks good. I have uh, to go watch it. People were bitching online because that's what they do. They said <laughs> because that's what they do. People go, "Oh, it's too much action for a Star Trek show. Oh, why do we have to have a black female captain?" Blah blah blah. Shut the fuck up. People were complaining about yes. that. Yes. Stop it, people. Just stop. Okay? <laughs> do you realize that a lot of TV shows and that that were originally made in the 60s and the 50s they didn't have minorities. You know why? Because they weren't really looked great upon. <laughs> Things change. Let it go. Sorry. I yeah. hate people. I hate it's people. A whole... Who cares? You cannot be a Star Trek fan and be opposed to uh, inclusiveness. I agree. I mean, that's what Star Trek is about. Yes. If your whole part of being a Star Trek fan skips the part that, you know, we're including people of every... Well, gender and race and even, you know, alien... Yeah, oh, it's, 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 it's the ultimate melting pot. It's not like they made Captain America... Or they made Thor into a woman. Okay? Exactly. It's a new character, people. It's, it's not like her name is uh, Jamie Kirk and it's the Enterprise. No, it's a new character. So we're so allowed to have... Ugh. Okay, I'm See? sorry. My blood is boiling, and I didn't even get into my up-downs yet. Well, let's do an up-down. Up, uh, one thing we're up on this week, one thing we're down on. Uh, I will go first. My up, yeah. the Mick. Yeah, never saw it. Uh, with uh, D from Caitlin Olsen. We finally finished the season. Hilarious. Loved it. Uh, the last episode was not as good, but they needed to get to the next season, like figure out what's going on, you know, the plot line for the next yeah. one. So that's, I will give it, it wasn't as funny. But the episode's up to it. It was hilarious. I love it. Fox did not do a good job promoting it in terms of the commercials because the commercials are awful. Yeah, you're right, because that's what I saw was the commercials and had no desire to watch the show. It is hilarious. D or whatever her name is, I forget what her name is in the show, but she has basically made their young the youngest kid, the eight year old, into a arsonist, and he's gonna be a serial killer, a cross dressing serial killer. Okay. <laughs> and uh it is hilarious. So, uh, that's my up. What's your up, Jeff? The weather. It is very nice weather here. It was, it was the best Ohio. day we've had in a long time. 
It's not too hot. It's not raining. It's not this or that. It's just a nice, beautiful day. And honestly, that's the best thing I can say about this week. This weather report of Hobie, sponsored by Neil and Annalise from the Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks podcast. When you need just something a little creepy, take a listen. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, uh, speak of weather in the green room, because we have a green room in the Bob Studios, we have the day after tomorrow on. Oh, is that what that is? So when you're talking about weather, it's snowing in that one. Yes. That was a horrible film. It was a horrible film. Oh, God awful. <laughs> Take a drink. Nobody can defend that movie. Try it. Uh, I'm down. Um, social media. I'll do that. Yeah. Social so media. There you go. All right. Um, this one, it, oh. it's been Uh-oh. getting to me. And, and, and it's petty. Okay. But it bothers me. Okay. I'm not even OCD. Mm-hmm. Come but, join us. It's but fun. Anytime someone shares like pictures on Facebook or other social media mm-hmm. sites or whatnot, why can't you take the time to make sure they're orientated properly? <laughs> I have done that before as a mistake, and that's because I'm out at the expo or the yeah. con. Well, I under I understand like yours. You, you, it was one of those things where it's supposed to look like you're yes. calling up the building, so you couldn't get that done exactly right. I laugh at you for it. Yes, but just the simple thing on like. A reversed image where all the words are written backwards across Ooh. your shirt and stuff like that. Hey, they're dyslexic. And it not even dyslexic people wouldn't. <laughs> uh, it just it just bothers. I'm like, just take the time to flip it. It's not difficult. If I can do it, you can do it. Because I'm stupid with those things, that and I can do it. If I can do it, and you can do it, <laughs> we can all change. I mean, no, I spend. Dun, 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 dun. I spend. You know, part of what I do at my job involves making sure, you know, pictures are properly, you know, looking right. The porn is shot yes, perfectly. Exactly. Yes. And, I, you know, it's not that difficult to, to I mean, when someone's, you can, can't read it because it's backwards, flip it. I mean, ah, it bothers me. It really does. I see that. I mean, I spend time, like, getting real intimate and seeing, you know, it's like, Oh, or it, what side of the shirt buttoned on? Because you know, uh, no, I gotta flip that. You know, it, is it buttoned on the right or the left? I, I, I look at things like that, trying to get pictures right, and to watch people just haphazardly slapdash this shit up there on uh, Facebook bugs the hell out of me. Did you know, uh, according to Facebook, it's uh, end of the year school year. There's a whole lot of kids' pictures up there at the end of the year. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't get me in on those damn preschool graduation shit. I mean, seriously, cap and gowning a four-year-old is the stupidest thing ever. Capping a four-year-old is the stupidest thing ever, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of pictures up there. I'm sure my wife will be putting one up. <laughs> but not for preschool. But. but But they're not as bad as the first day of school pictures, though. Those are worse. Hate those. I just love seeing you get angry. You get angsty. I uh, not angsty, just angry. Angry. I'm just angry right now. Not angsty, angry. Uh, on a sad note and side note, uh, do want to wish uh, our friends over at Nerdly and Chapsat uh, three six five and all of our British listeners, UK listeners, um, good karma and uh, stay strong after yes. last night. Again, people are evil and people. Yeah, suck. people suck. And but. And, and and it makes my petty little things even that much smaller 
because, you know, we should just be thankful that, yeah, we're... Well, people are bitching because Ariana Grande uh, is canceling some of her tour, and people are bitching about that. We can't... Get, we bought our ticket! Oh, God, you're, you're, you're going to make me... No, we're not going to go down that you, rabbit you, hole. You're, you're going to make me talk about Ariana Grande, aren't you? No, stop. No. <laughs> but we do wish uh, well to the, to the UK. Um, yeah, it's a sad situation. Um, but yeah, so we appreciate uh, you guys staying strong and... Um, on to brighter things. Roger Moore passed away. Uh, brighter things? <laughs> what are you talking about? Bad. I had no segue in that. So. No, yeah, it's been a pretty bad week for everything and whatnot. Obviously, uh, as probably many other places you've heard uh, discuss the, the passing of Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. that one was a tough one for me because I think. No, I'm just he is the main voice that I think, especially of that generation, that you know reached me. His stuff meant more to me than almost any other from you know from music. Mm -hmm. Uh, I his his stuff. I don't know. It just it just reached into my soul, and I felt at least something. Maybe not what he was putting out, but I felt something enough that. That, that his music really touched me more than a lot of others. And so all this other stuff, you know, having problems going on in his life, and it just really sucks. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's all I got to say. Uh, Cornell, uh, I actually I actually knew his music. I actually enjoyed <laughs> his music. I'm not a oh. music, music guy, but uh, Soundgarden, I really do like Soundgarden. S- Soundgarden is great. Uh, they would be one of the few that I would actually see in concert. <laughs> um, didn't he do Temple of the Dog? Too? He did Temple of the Dog. Okay. Uh, that, I remember that, was that. A, a one-off project. Yes. That, I remember uh, that was a big yeah. thing back in the day. Yeah. Um, I could. I remember the the big CD case that it came in the yeah. plastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't steal it. But yeah, Temple of the Dog, and he also did did Audio Slave in the two thousands oh, or whatnot. So I didn't know that. And and a lot of solo stuff he's several solo albums out his voice is distinctive it does he's his i mean yeah, and part of it is you know the songs are great and fit me but the the voice i mean he, everything and it's not the annoying voice like eddie vetter that i can't stand okay i, I like eddie vetter's but oh, uh God. chris cornell's is, is is i think better and oh man and if you heard his rendition of nothing compares to you mm-hmm. wow <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Nothing does compare to me. Aww. I appreciate it. This is old school. This is like first 17 episodes. I'm a little scared. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. We're agreeing. Hey. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Twitter poll of the week. Yay. Go to Bad Ideas Podcast because guess what, fuckers? We got a great poll going. <laughs> yes, we do. First round, first week. Hobie's best video game console tournament. 1970s. Here are the options in television. Coleco Telstar. Atari 2600. Magnavox Odyssey. So there is your list. Number one. I'm sorry, in last place, it was 0% of the vote. Coleco Telstar. I don't even know what this one is. I feel like I remember it, but I don't think I do. (laughs) Uh, You try finding four good ones from the (laughs) 70s to put on this. Uh, And the winner of this round goes on to the next round. There's three-round tournament. Three rounds. Three rounds. We got a lot of video game systems. 
Uh, next question is, should we include uh, portable devices, like Game Boys and that? Do we need to go to a fourth round if we do? I don't know. Uh, I'm just asking, should we include those? They are a game console. They are consoles, but will they bog it down too much? That's the only question well, you got I the have. Sega Game Gear, you got the Game Boy. I, I have no problem. I suppose we can do one thing of portables. Or maybe two different things of portables. I'll check to see how many, <coughs> pardon me, how many, how many portables <laughs> are. Maybe I'll include them because I don't have a problem going for, yeah. you know, 16 yeah. deep or anything like that. Yeah. I have no problem doing a big tournament. Yeah, like I said, it's going three rounds, so that would be. We already know. put our second our second one up, yeah. but I'll get to that in a second. Yes, I, I already voted. Uh, third place, 4% of the vote, Magnavox Odyssey. And that means more than just Captain Kirk voted for that. We had a really good turnout with these, uh, this, so appreciate it, everybody. Yes. Uh, let's see. And winning first place, 88% to 18 or to 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 
and I thought it was the ColecoVision, or it might have been the Intellivision, and there was like a oh. King Kong game, and I was up there for like 30 minutes figure, trying to figure out how to move it. <laughs> There's a giant ape, and I couldn't do it. I was like, this is the most pointless thing ever. I don't think I moved one bit. Well, I'm guessing that'll probably be the Intellivision Television. if it couldn't figure it out, because I think... I think I, the, I, I was, I well, like I said, I don't know the Coleco Telstar. If it was that, could be the Telstar. The, the, the Coleco Vision. Uh, we had some people in the neighborhood that owned that, so I mean, I think that was a basic joystick. It was better than Action Max, though. Was it? <laughs> so I was raving about the Action Max. Then I decided to go online and look up this thing. Yeah, it was uh, again for people not uh, that didn't listen last week. This thing that my parents bought at the Big Lots. Uh, the you know the cheap store, the um, closeout store. Yeah, and uh, basically you had v- VCR tapes. You put it in there, and you would have a laser, a gun like a duck hunt gun uh, from Nintendo, and you would shoot the screen. You would also have to put this little sensor up on the TV. Oh, that's right. And <laughs> the problem was the game did not matter how you played it because all you were doing is basically just getting points. Because it was a VCR movie, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't shoot you the guy and he'd no, fall over dead. You had no bearing on it. So I looked it up online. It was really bad. Uh, <laughs> I actually ended up watching one night 20 minutes of the one haunted house game that I really wanted, but we never got the Adventures of Pop Ghostly. <laughs> so you watched the storyline through it? I watched the tape. Wow. <laughs> it was not good. So, um... Action Max might be up there, though. I might put it up on the list. Might as well. <laughs> it was not a good system. It came out in 87. Personally, through this whole thing, I'm voting for the Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy is up there. I, you know what? Everybody loves watching something in red. Just red. 16 shades of red. How could that be a good idea? Oh Well, they did say that if they were going to go color with it, it would have jumped the price up by another $300. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I understand why you could only you know, do a, a but how did you think monochromatic. Was going to do well? but... Come on, Nintendo. Well, the worst part was, okay, it was their 3D version, mm-hmm. but it was it had to sit on the table. Yes. It's not like you wore it and could move around. You leaned into it sitting on the table, but it was still on a little very cheap stand. It was that, a tripod. Was yeah, a little tripod yeah. that was easy to knock over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you was, do multiplayer with it? Like, if you brought someone else brought one over, or was it just one player? I don't remember. I don't know if it was or not. I'll yeah. look that up. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, because like <laughs> the only thing I ever remember playing on it was the Mario Tennis. Oh I'm God! Wondering yeah. if if one per if you could go one side and on the other if you had two of them. But oh, good luck finding two people that you knew who owned them. <laughs> <laughs> If you owned one, you were probably the only person that people that uh, people uh, knew who had one. Um, okay, so there you go. Let's do some listener feedback. Okay, let's do feedback. I'm uh, Blake. I'll do the feedback. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. No, we'll just go ahead and start with uh, Doug. Number one fan, Doug. You can't give yourself a nickname? Nope. We can give a lot of people nicknames, but you can't give yourself one. I want to be called the Hammer. You know why I couldn't do it? Because you can't give yourself a nickname. God, I miss sports night. <laughs> uh, Doug wants to know, why did the NHL allow Canadian teams into the playoffs this year? Tell me about it. Fucking Edmonton. Oh. <sighs> and Toronto. That Toronto's my team. Um, I really thought, after three games 
against the uh, yeah. oven chicken and the caps. I thought they had it. Yeah. And as, they didn't. as we're recording this, there's still a Canadian team alive. Who would that be? Uh, that would be uh, Ottawa Senators. Oh, that's right. Uh, I think the Pittsburgh Ottawa game is probably going on as we speak. What is that series right now? Pittsburgh's up three to two. Okay, that's right. Because they're Ooh. gonna close it out. Oh, <laughs> I love <laughs> Pittsburgh, and I, I just no, I'm, I'm 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 torn on this because if I don't hate the team, the team that knocks my team out, I usually cheer for. Correct. So I'm a Columbus fan, and Pittsburgh knocked Columbus out. So now I can say if Pittsburgh wins, I can claim Columbus was the second-best team. They just got knocked out in the first round because they saw the best team first. Mm-hmm. So I like, but I also kind of like Ottawa. And as I was watching this series, I realized a lot of people who have been on my fantasy hockey team for the last several years are currently on Ottawa. I'm like, he was mine two years ago. He was mine last year. I have him this year. And so, like, Ottawa is, like, all the guys that I've had the last five years are all on one team now. I love Pittsburgh. I'm okay if Ottawa wins. I don't, I'm don't. i not rooting for them, but if they do, I, I always root for the Canadian teams. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Nashville, I'm okay with because they've never been there. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have a problem with Nashville. They beat the Ducks and fuck that. Yeah. Thank God. You never go. You always root against Bombay. He was a fucking... <laughs> A fucking a pompous attorney, and and I think he they broke the limo on the ice, and they broke rules. Oh, they did. Uh, how they got away with a lot of that stuff? Uh, exactly. I think that like breaks a rule right they there. They are the fucking Harlem Globetrotters of the <laughs> NHL. Oh, it's real ass. I don't think that was quite the NHL. Knuckle puck, whatever. <laughs> the World uh, Hockey League, whatever it was, it was fucking ridiculous. We were supposed uh, to podcast. Just let you know. Uh, but but I'm also kind of cheering for, well, the the Predators and the Penguins mm-hmm. because a friend of ours, big hockey fan, he's mm-hmm. in our hockey league, he doesn't like either of those teams and is cheering against them. Ah, so you root for them. So I'm rooting for them. I have no problem with that. He's a like Blackhawks fan or whatever, and he's angry that Predators knocked out the Blackhawks. I'm like, you should be cheering for them so you can claim you had the second best team if they win. Nope. I cheer? always root against the team that knocks my team out. Like, Can we cheer that the the Red Wings didn't make it though? Oh, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't even sniff. <laughs> oh. Oh, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> They've only been what twenty six years. Twenty six. That was. So, I thought it was even longer. Am I been? I every time news comes up about the Red Wings, I kind of ignore it. Uh, so speaking of lassos. Uh, you know, this past week was uh, this yes or Sunday was the last show for the Ring- Ringling Barnum Brothers oh. Circus. Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. That's what it is. That's how much I care about the fucking circus. Yeah. You don't even know the name of it. They said the, the uh, president of the company was saying that you know they just couldn't compete with kids and you know their attention spans and they're always looking at their phones. Blah blah blah. Or the fact that the circus is dumb. It's always been dumb. It's- Dated. Yeah, I mean, it's like, God, maybe even the fifties. I thought it was dated. I mean, it's a, it's a nineteenth century concept. Yes, and to continue to think that it would survive is kind of a dumb thing. And they said, well, they caved to they caved caved to, to the animal activists because of the elephants, and they mm. said as soon as they got rid of the elephants, their attendance went down. And my thought was. Who the fuck's going to the circus to worry about fucking or watching elephants? Like, go to the zoo. Yeah. 
Well, not every place has a zoo that they can go to. The not traveling... every place has a zoo that butchers their elephants. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We didn't like... butcher any elephants. No, I'm talking uh, the circus. Uh, allegedly. Oh. allegedly. <laughs> but uh, I'm just like, I, I can't stand the circus. And I was lucky that my oldest son, uh, he was always taken by my in-laws. So I've never had to go to the circus uh, since I was like 10. And that's great. I don't. I hate the circus. Fucking hate everything about it. We went to something that wasn't even really the circus, but it was something that had like the circus animals at it, Mm -hmm. and I was probably like five or something. Uh, That was called a pound. No, giving them away. No, no, no. They had like elephants and whatnot, and like I I think it was like one of the uh, what do you call smaller ones, smaller, minor uh, amusement parks or something had some sort of circus ish uh feature there and i remember went there and i'm like wow okay other than the cotton candy this thing sucks Uh, i'll be honest i another part of the reason why i don't like the circus is that uh it would always come into town on the weekend of my birthday so i would have you always have to go for your birthday no i didn't have to go but there's nothing else good coming into town that weekend because they always had a monopoly of the fucking circus my birthday weekend it was either that or the fucking rodeo oh Sorry. But yeah. the circus ended. <laughs> Just let everybody know. Are there other circuses out there? There is. There is. Okay. Um, there is a soul circus or something like that. Like a more... From like Korea? No. No, 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 no. Uh, oh. It's like a more urban uh, circus. Oh. oh, that type of soul. Okay. Uh, there's all... <laughs> Korea. Kind <laughs> of a big calling for a Korean circus. <laughs> There isn't a big calling for any circus, so... (laughs) There's no animals because we're eating them. Anyways, uh... (laughs) Oh, just insult an entire country and culture. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Send all your complaints to Jason at Graphic Novice. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Like the warning says at the beginning. Anyway, so, yeah, I I think there's a couple minor ones. Don't the Shriners Circus has it? Oh, the Shriners do have a circus, but that's... Is that local? Is that... No, I think that might be a traveling. Okay. Uh, but they're also... Uh, well, they always, like, they're like, oh, where are all these people going to go? Where are all the clowns going to go? Well, probably clowns in the woods. Clowns could go away, honestly. <laughs> probably go into the woods. Uh, but a lot of them are going to Vegas because they have that Circo de Circus Soleil. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, those are actually... You know, the acrobats or whatnot I can see going there, but the clowns the juggling they said oh okay but you know that has what is taken over as the circus yeah they've evolved that's what is the circus now what you have in the 1910s isn't happening and they said uh the president was saying that you know you know we can fly now (laughs) well they said um They, he said that they'd start doing storylines with their circus now. Oh, yeah, that's what Cirque du Soleil does. Yeah, and it's like, well, yes, but you're about 40 years too late because everyone else is doing it better, Barnum. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I feel bad if the people lost their jobs. I just don't care about the circus. I have no issue yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean. They just didn't adapt. <laughs> and they're like, well, I blame the smartphones. Okay, calm down, old man. Okay, <laughs> get off my lawn. I get it. <laughs> Uh, anyways, go ahead. What else we got? Oh, uh, did that answer Doug's question? (laughs) (laughs) I hope you like it, Doug. That's a good answer. Uh, we'll move on, uh, to Dev. (sighs) Is the world ready for Dennis Rodman and Dane Cook to team back up for Simon Says 2? Sure. I'll be fine with that. 
I don't think any. I mean, no one's against it, but no one will pay money to see it. Uh, everybody's against Dean Cook. Has a no. comedian fallen that quick? He fell quick. He fell quick because he, you know, stole a bunch of people's jokes, apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, apparently, he is the poster boy. Uh, I was watching, a, like, a documentary thing about comics and mm-hmm. whatnot, and Dane Cook was pretty much the poster boy of what not to do if you're a stand-up comic, ah. as far as, like, stealing jokes or whatnot. Him and Carlos Mencia. Well, Mencia, Mencia doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Mencia flat out admits it. And, and I suppose the big thing is, you know, there's a lot of times that, okay, maybe I didn't realize this person, you know, had this joke or whatever. Right. But when your jokes are so similar to other people's and you're made aware of it, then you need to step back and say, hey, maybe I should, you know, not continue telling this joke because it's somebody else's joke. When you arrogantly say, screw them, it's my joke, even though it... There's evidence. Evidence that says it was out long before I've ever told it. He was good in Mr. Brooks, the Kevin Costner movie, as a serial killer. I never saw that. That was a good movie. He was terrible in Employee of the Month, but that was a terrible movie. I really wanted Employee Month to be good. It wasn't. You wanted it to be good? Yeah, because I like anything with retail, and I think that's kind of fun, like an oh. untapped thing, if done well. If done, okay. Uh, it wasn't done. No, well. no, it was done terribly. That's why I love Superstore. Did you see the whole season of Superstore? No. It's oh. a whole season. There's two seasons. Well, no, no. Did you see the last episode of this season? Oh, my God. I like nine or ten issues, uh, issues, episodes in the first season. So, no, I haven't seen any from the second season. Anyways, fuck you. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm no, just, just saying. Shut up, Jeff. We're shut it. it. Shut it. Well, I hope that answers Dev's question. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Uh, question. Correct. <laughs> Questions. Oh, God. I'm starting to turn into Jason and can't read these words. You okay there? No. Okay. Corrections from the Pop Culture Cafe. Hey. Tell Blake it is not Hit Girl in The Gifted. The, the young, X-Men movie. It, TV it is the young girlfriend of Adam in The Goldbergs. Well, Blake did correct himself last week when he did look it up and realize it wasn't Clarets. However, oh, didn't realize, okay, uh, I've been watching the Goldbergs, and yeah, okay, now I know who it is. That got renewed for two more years. The Goldbergs? Yes. Should have. Uh, and honestly, Wendy McClendon Covey, I, I have to say it slowly because otherwise it's just... Uh, from Mad TV. She was in Mad TV? Mm-hmm. The mom? Yeah, yeah I, knew she, she I, I knew she was from Reno 911 is where I first That's what it from. was, not Matt TV, my bad. Okay. That's my bad. Thank you. But uh, she, she should at least be nominated for an Emmy, if not winning an Emmy, for, uh, you know, comedic uh, or actress in a comedy, lead actress in a comedy. Mm-hmm. She should be up there. Oh, even if you want to call her supporting, even though she's the, the glue that holds that show together. She's outstanding. I can't rave about how great she is in that show. Uh, they're doing a spinoff of the gym teacher. Oh yeah, uh, set in the nineties. Um, I might have to pass on that. Well, another spinoff, uh, Blackish. I guess they have the older daughter who's going off to college. College, yeah, college-ish. Yeah. I saw that. ABC passed on it, but it's going to Freeform. Oh, that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah. so it's on Freeform. Uh, as I look up and I see the day after tomorrow and. The only animals in this movie that are CGI, the wolves, and they're attacking. Who knew that they would be attacking? Oh, God, I fucking hate that movie. Screw you! Sorry. So tell us how you really feel. I hate that movie. Okay, what else we got? 
um, from last week's draft of King of Queens. If you have not heard, please listen to the draft of King of Queens. I think I did well. I yeah. picked the dumpster file. Yeah. Uh, Chris uh, wants to give us his picks. Okay, he's from 365. He says Doug and Carrie mm. should be Bobby Bacala and Janice Soprano. Who's Bobby Bacala? I'm assuming it's Janice Soprano's husband. Okay. I never watched The Sopranos, so I won't get these references. I will uh, find it. Jerry. 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 <laughs> Is Uncle John? No, but I'm like, uh, I, I suppose uh, it's uh, uh, Arthur Spooner is who he's talking about is played by... Uh, Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller. Okay. And I'm like, Jerry, shouldn't it be Arthur? That's what I was getting confused with. He says, Jerry should be played by... Jer- Arthur should be played by Uncle Jim. June. Uncle June. John? Now I can't even read. John June. <laughs> Uncle John June. Uh, yes, this is uh, from The Sopranos. Yes. <laughs> and, and Deacon, who he's, he says, I have no no idea what that character's like, so Polly Walnuts. Okay, he was taking The Sopranos. Yeah, Sopranos. I knew Polly Walnuts was a Soprano character. That was the character there I'm showing you. There you go. That would be... Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay, that guy. Actually, it would work. That would work. Uh, so you know what would work? Not making this show ever. But it, without Kevin James, James, it would be better. I was walking in the parking lot the other day, and I thought I heard uh, Leah Remney. Um, there was yeah. <laughs> a yellow Mustang. The alarm was going off, and I literally just stood there and laughed and thought, oh, Leah's in the uh, in the uh, parking lot. Well, I was at work uh, yesterday, and outside the uh, office window, I, I thought I heard Leah Remney outside yelling up at us. So I had to, so I had to shut the window and uh, and tweet it to you. <laughs> dog, dog, dog. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, continuing on about King of Queens from Brian Hackney, the gentleman the who requested this draft. He says, "I appreciate how Jeff drafted King of Queens. I do not appreciate Jason's uh, condescending take on the draft. The winner clearly is, as Jeff called it, Blake." He didn't tear into shreds one of my favorite sitcoms. That should not be anyone's favorite sitcoms. I am sorry. It is horrible. I watched a repeat of that, obviously, uh, two <laughs> nights ago. Oh, I thought it was a new one. <laughs> no, it's called uh, Kevin Can Wait. Oh. Uh, I watched uh, like 10 minutes of it, and I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> Patton Oswalt's in it, and he even can't be good in it. <laughs> he wasn't good in it. How do you not make Patton Oswalt good? But uh, Blake wins by abstaining the draft. And I am now still defeated in the draft and have never won one. <laughs> I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, if you have a yeah. team that you want us to redraft, uh, please let us know, and you get to pick the winner if we pick your uh, draft. Yes. Uh, continuing on uh, from Pam Morris. Pam! She wants to know what movies we're looking forward to. I'm seriously getting a little excited to see It. I'm ready to see the new Fast and the Furious movie, too. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be creepy as hell, and so I'm intrigued by it. I, um, as far as I know, they're still doing it. It's a two-part movie yes. where they're doing the childhood and then the adult. Yes. Not And so they're not doing the in, going in between. And I'm intrigued by that uh, way of doing it. So it is high on my list. Fast and Furious, nope. No, no. I... Haven't seen the last six Fast and the Furious movies. I think I saw the second one. I think that was the last one I saw. 
I saw a scene from the second one. The first one was good. I enjoyed the first one. I saw the first one. I don't know if it would hold up. I think it does not age well, like the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Well, I also don't think Paul Walker uh, acting up, ages well or holds up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't what I meant, but that's how it came out, so I'll accept it. <laughs> but, uh, oh. Anyway. And here we go, insulting the dead. Uh so I'm going to move on uh, from Jason. Different Jason, not me. Says, I love Guar and have seen them multiple times in concert. Stop dissing them. This was directed at me. Uh, I'm sorry. Every time I think of Guar, I think of Empire Records. Yes. Hey, Mark, why don't you join the band? <laughs> they're fucking puppets. And they're bad puppets. Uh, rather watch Skeeter do a band. Skeeter, Scooter, sorry. <laughs> oh, from the Muppets. Muppets yes. <laughs> okay. Ralph the dog has a better singing voice. Well, Ralph is good. Yeah, I had a, a Muppets album when I was little. Him singing "Time in a Bottle." It's pretty I, good. I really miss the Muppets TV show that they had. Yeah, yeah, the Muppets, the 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 one that was on uh, Last two year. years ago yeah. or whenever it was. And I really do miss it. It was enjoyable. It was good. They just didn't give the time to find its footing, and Thanks, when it, and and well, and then they had to force Kermit and Piggy back together, Ugh. and then it got canceled. Yeah. All right. What Mo- else? Moving on uh, from Bob. Hey, Bob. Tom Hardy might be Venom. Thoughts? He is Venom. They signed him. They signed him for a new Venom, and now they say they might bring Carnage in. Nope, don't bring Carnage in. Make that the sequel. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, you got to build up Venom. So your thoughts on Tom Hardy being Venom? Actually, I think it's a great casting. I enjoy it. I, I think that's a very good call. You, do have, uh, you don't have a problem with the, these people being one comic book character and then doing another comic Different book universe, character? Different universe. I don't have an issue with it. You know why? Because if, if that was the case, we wouldn't have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. He would just be Green Lantern. I have no issue with that. Oh, before that, he was uh, Hannibal King in Blade. I like Blade 3. Oh, yeah. But that's Not what I'm really. saying. That's where Ron, Ryan Reynolds' first comic book was. That was the third one, right? Yeah. The third one, yeah. That Blade they were Trinity. supposed to do a uh, spinoff of with Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel. Yeah. That didn't work out. No, it didn't. Well, it helps I blame Triple a... H. He was in it. <laughs> yeah, it's Triple H's fault that the movie didn't that's do right. well. Uh uh, no, I have no problem with Tom Hardy being Venom. I think he actually could do a really good job. Uh, again, I, Bob also did follow this up by saying, uh, I forgot to put, uh, the intern forgot to put this in there. He, they, he did say, though, he cannot recognize Tom Hardy in any movie. <laughs> oh, that's the benefit of Tom Hardy. Yes. He does, especially when he obscures his face. Uh, uh, he he didn't even realize he was in Inception. <laughs> so well, I... First learned who Tom Hardy was because of Inception. Uh, anything that he did before that, I certainly didn't know who he was, and he wasn't. He's not a very recognizable face, no. in my opinion. Uh, I wish I couldn't see. I wish I couldn't remember Inception. Actually, I wish it was oh, a dream. I don't understand why you. The dream you, inside the dream inside the dream. Nope, doesn't happen. Stop. Yeah, see, you don't. You don't even get it if no. that's what you think the movie is about. No, it's a dream. We're going into a G.I. Joe winter base thing. I don't know. know. This from the fucker who likes uh, Con Air and who likes The Rock. Oh, my God. We got an action sequence. So this must suck. 
That's what you just said. Oh, we're going to do a G.I. Joe base. And Isn't that what you like in your goddamn movies? <laughs> oh, my God, we're going into the, the, the rock. Oh, look, there's guns and explosions. Oh, Walk on the rock. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Andrea. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll speak of the rock, a different rock. I, uh, we watched, my wife and I watched his Saturday Night Live uh, yeah. thing. He's pretty funny on it. He always does a good job. Uh, was, it was, was he? He's a five timer now. Five timer. He premiered seventeen years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I feel old. Well, yeah, I, I do know he was Scorpion on that. King. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do remember he did that one thing with Chris Kattan where they're that stupid little monkey book. But that was funny just seeing the Rock's reaction to it because he's like, "What the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> well, they had a skit this past week, and it was uh, the master. Uh, it was evil scientist. Uh, competition, what you could uh, have to build your most evil weapon. So the one person came up. She brought he brought, uh, did a shrink ray. Yeah. The next character she came up. She did a freeze gun. The Rock comes up. I'm Roy. I'm a scientist. Uh, I made this robot. It's a uh, child molesting robot. <laughs> that <laughs> and, is the most evil thing. <laughs> and everybody went. What the hell is wrong with you? You can't do that. Why would you do that? He's like, but it's an evil one. Did I win? Uh, you said evil. I mean, yeah. that's only a shrink ray, and that's a, a freeze gun. I feel yeah. like I won. Yeah. It's, it's like I can find uses for good with those things. Can't find a use for good with a child molesting robot. But it was just funny. <laughs> that like, sounds like a good one. The cartoon version, you know, everybody was the cartoon scientist, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I got a child molesting yeah. robot. And they're like, how do you make it a child molesting robot? Well, I built it as a robot, and then I molested it until it starts child molesting. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife just sat there like, oh, what the fuck? Like, how is that even right? <laughs> it's not. That's the point. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny. Like, you know, you went with the generic, you know, yeah. freeze right and I made a child molesting robot. <laughs> Speaking of Saturday Night Live, Apparently, like no one's coming back next year, uh, except except for I'm sorry, except for Keenan Thompson. Uh, Valiant, <laughs> he will never play. He is the new Daryl Hammond. He is close to taking the record. Uh, well, Bobby Monahan is yeah. uh, going to Monahan. He's yeah. going to his own TV. Yeah, show. Yeah, he's got a TV show, which looks interesting. The three different time periods. Did you see the trailer I put up? I didn't see the trailer, but I heard about it. Yeah, uh, John Larroquette's the older version of him. I think that's kind of fun. Okay. Uh, anything to John Larroquette on the show or on the uh, on TV? TV. Uh, he's leaving. Valerie Byers, Bears, Bears, or um, whatever. Yeah, she, she's. I'm okay with that. Uh, she's enjoyable, but eh. And then um, there's another female that's leaving. <sighs> I forgot her name. I know. Um, she's not. I feel like she's leaving, and I have no issue with that because I don't think they used she was, her enough. She was underused. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh, and then, is there someone else leaving? I think it was those three. Those ones, three. I'm sure someone else is, but... Or they get fired. But, yeah, I mean, I have no issue. I mean, I think I, I, I am going to miss Bobby uh, Moynihan the bit worse. I like him. Oh, he's good. Well, I'm fine if he's going on to do something else. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought he was very underrated on the show. Like, when I watch scenes, like, his character always seemed to be the one that did the funny stuff in the... Uh, in the thing, even if he was just a background character, yeah. Even like the the infamous David S. Pumpkins uh, <laughs> thing, it's like he was one of the dancing skeletons or whatever. And it's like just watching the expressions on his face doing his dancing skeleton. It's like that made the the skit, in my opinion. They brought uh, David S. Pumpkins back this week. 
Oh, did they? Yeah. It was, uh, Keenan was supposed to be a rapper, and he's got two guest rappers on his video, and then, like, ten more people come on, he's like, come on, this is too many! <laughs> and then David S. Pimpkins is yeah. his <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, Tom Hanks did make a guest appearance. Yeah, so. he's running with The Rock for 2020. I heard about that. You know, the sad thing is, I think they would win <laughs> if they ran for president. If, 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 if Tom Hanks is on the ticket, I would put money on it. I think The Rock without Hanks would have a shot, but I don't think he'd necessarily be the favorite. This is what the world has come to. Oh, it has. <laughs> Trump versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I give up. I, I don't know what to do. You're you for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Fifteen years ago, this would have been a WrestleMania main event. <laughs> now it's for president. <laughs> what has happened to our world? <laughs> God. Yeah, really. I suppose Donald Trump is the first president we've had to ever been stone cold stunned. He has been stunned. <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like uh, I, I feel like Calvin Coolidge probably had it coming if he was alive. <laughs> he probably could have been stunned. I would have no issue with that. Andrew Jackson, he could have been stunned. I would have been okay with that. <laughs> FDR. Well, yeah, you would have had to flip his chair over first. <laughs> ah, but he's got those polio sticks. That's right, the polio sticks could have helped. That could have helped. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. And you would have to pick him up, and that's a lot of dead weight. Oh, So boy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, he just wouldn't sell the moves at all. No, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, what about Teddy? What about Teddy Roosevelt? Oh, he'd win. He'd... He would just shoot Austin. <laughs> uh, Lincoln, I feel like... You know, you probably could snap his neck with it, with a stunner. Oh, oh no, he's a vampire hunter. I don't think you <gasps> could. That's true. Mary Todd would kick his ass though. <laughs> Abraham, what are you doing? Dog, dog, dog. <laughs> Abe, Abe, Abe. So do you think Leah Remini would make a good Mary Todd? I think Leah Remini would make any good anything. Oh. Wife, <laughs> actress. Uh, you got anything over there, Jay? Jehovah Witness. Oh, I hope that answered Pop Culture Cafe's question. <laughs> oh, wait, we haven't even got to Pop Culture's Cafe question. What was their question? Uh, what will the big oh. summer? What will be the big summer hit? Both in story and action. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but I don't think it will be that. The story was weaker than Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I don't think it'll be the number one movie of the summer. Um... I mean, I'm kind of hoping Wonder Woman ends up being good enough to to be worthy of being the number one. I don't think it's going to, though. But I, don't I think, think Wonder going Woman's to. going to hit 225 domestic. Okay. I, I Maybe 600. I don't know. Uh, worldwide. Well, hell, uh, anything that's already been out is the, uh, yeah. the, the stupid Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, I, even, even though it came out in the spring, it might be the, summer, the best summer movie. Yeah. Uh, on a side note with DC, did you see that about Zack Snyder? Yeah. He uh, stepped away because his uh, daughter uh, committed suicide and they uh, back in March. Yeah. And he thought he could just put himself into his work, he said, and he yeah. just couldn't. No, so. I, I certainly don't wish that upon anybody. No, no. So, so, you know, we may mock Zack Snyder a lot, but uh, send a... Uh, Good karma to him, and uh, Joss Whedon has taken over the reshoots. So that should be interesting. Yeah, the post-production and reshoots. Yeah. And you know what's going to happen. Oh, you could tell Joss Whedon did a lot of good with this. Yeah, Joss Whedon saved it. That's uh, He did two scenes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he did two scenes that pretty much directed themselves. Yes. <laughs> did you show up? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> 
Uh, it is interesting to see Joss Whedon start doing the DC universe. I'm intrigued. Uh, do you think they give the keys over to him? No. For everything? I don't think they do, but... He does Batgirl. I'm excited about Batgirl. Okay. Uh, I think it's a fun character. I would much rather have Batwoman. I like her. I like her character a lot well, you, better. I thought you liked the Cassandra Cain Batgirl. Batwoman. Oh, she's oh, Bat- um, Cassandra Cain is Batgirl, but they're not going to do her. Yeah. Unfortunately. She's my favorite. She's actually one of my favorite characters of all time. I love that character. Um, actually, I think I got almost the whole run of that series. That's one of the few TV, the few comic books I actually got the whole series run. Um, yeah, I, I like the Batwoman, the newer one lately. Um, and so I, I'm intrigued to see how they do it. I, I'm, I'm hoping. There's now rumors that came out today that Ben Affleck might actually be stepping away from the Batman. <laughs> when it came out today, those rumors have been well, around for the, months. It's got to come out again that... Eh, think he might there's betting lines in vegas that he won't do it <laughs> it's like oh my god really now if you're ben affleck do you send somebody into vegas yes put yes. down a ton of money and then just do the damn movie yes <laughs> yes because he's he's is he direct no he's not directing he, he stood he's down from directing. Yeah. yeah oh we'll see how justice league does i don't know about that so, here, I hope that answered your question. Yes. The Mummy will not be the number one movie this year. No. We got that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Maybe, unless we edit ourselves. Maybe. Um, right. Oh, we got a review from Blake. He's not here, but he sent a review in uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, he, he finally saw it. Saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, me likey. That was his review. All right. If you have a review of a movie, please let us know. Uh, you can send it to us at Bad Ideas Podcast. Uh, give us anything you want to review. Books, movies, TV shows, anything without Kevin James. Anything. Go ahead. Anything. You got anything else before we head yeah. into doctor number one? Let's do it. Let's wrap it up. All right. Our esteemed doctor wants to know, since he is running with, uh, wait, since he is in the running with me as your number one fan, why aren't you sending Doug to Avatar Land to cover the opening for Hobie? Uh, we apologize. We actually were going to send number one fan Doug to Avatar Land. Uh, that's why he wasn't here this week. Uh, it's been pushed back to 2020. So whenever it opens, <laughs> we will send him. I, I think um, Avatar Land actually did open already. I don't believe that. I don't no, believe it has. Okay. It's <laughs> opening when the next movie opens? I don't think he's going to do that either. Because I don't think they're going to make those movies. <laughs> I feel like they're just going to sit on a shelf like they should. That's going to seriously be the big, biggest drop-off. I cannot wait. I really can't wait. Sorry, Avatar. So, does right. anyone care about Avatar Land? The, the Disney thing? Oh, no, nobody I've ever talked to does. <laughs> I mean, people stopped caring about Avatar eight years ago. Doug has, number one fan, Doug has 18 mortgages on his house to go to Disney every six months, and he doesn't even care. Oh. Let's go to some news of the geek. All right. It's time for another installment of the news of the geek. Special news of the geek. Uh, we do have some news of the geek information later. Uh, some news articles. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to do a interview we did with uh, Andrea Molinari. Uh, I almost did it right. Almost got it <laughs> yes. out. Almost got it out right. As I told, I just can't say any words. Uh, no, he uh, with Caliber Comics and his son uh, Roberto. Uh, they made the Shepherd graphic novel. I'm not even going to say the colon uh, after part. Yeah. So uh, it is a great uh, graphic novel. Uh, it's going to be a series of them. 
And uh, he sat down and talked to us. Uh, we stole him from 365 Flicks, so take that. And uh, we'll have the links up on our uh, Facebook page, too, at the History of Bad Ideas for everything. And uh, we'll be back in a bit. And uh, joining us, we have Andrea Molinari. He is the uh, co-creator and writer of The uh, the Shepherd. Uh, now, this is the, the subtitle is going to kill me here. <laughs> Apocatastasis. Apocatastasis. I was it's not a, even close. It's a Greek <laughs> word, yeah, and it, I had to learn how to say it myself, so it's definitely a mouthful. Right, yeah, th- this is a, uh, a graphic novel uh, that you have uh, co-wrote with your son. Yes. A- and it's out on, let's see, it's uh, Caliber Comics? Correct. All right, uh, I suppose we can start out. Uh, you know, uh, places where people can, can get this, you know, they can order this, uh, they can get it, uh, PDF files or. Yeah. I mean, well, you, there's a number of different, uh, things you can do. Uh, first of all, it was, uh, carried by diamond. So what that means oh. is that you can order it at any comic book store. Excellent. And the code for that is November N O V fifteen twelve twenty three. just by giving them that code. Uh, you'd be able to go into any comic book store and order it through, uh, through your local comic book store, which, by the way, I, I encourage people to do to support your local comic book store. Um, obviously, if you're, you know, uh, a digital type, we're on Comixology, we're on Drive Through Comics. You can get us on Kindle. Uh, you can go to Amazon to buy the hard copy of the book itself. Um, you know, there are a variety of other places uh, where you can get it, uh, but those are, you know, the ones that I typically recommend to people. Of course, you can go to the Caliber Comics. Uh, website and order it digitally as well so there's you know a variety of different uh, options in fact i should you know put a plug in for people visiting the the caliber comics website uh there's a tremendous diversity of books that uh, that my publishing company uh carries um and uh puts out there so you know i think there's something for everybody that was one of the things that really appealed to me and my son when we were looking at comic book companies uh to find a publisher and we love the fact that caliber you know, had such a range of books. And uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, giving us some time to talk to you and that the 365 Chaps, uh, 365 Flicks uh, podcast guys, uh, they recommended uh, we talk to you uh, and they they could not get enough of the book, The Shepherd. So um, I appreciate They were very along. kind. And we've really struck up a friendship. Uh, that's been one of the really amazing things about this whole adventure uh, is this ongoing relationships that we have with a number of the podcasters. Um, you know, we, we keep in touch. We, you know, we get updates about their life, you know, things that are going on with them. And, and we just really hit it off with, uh, Kevin, Chris, uh, you know, it just really, uh, really was an amazing conversation. And, you know, it's always, you know, it's always powerful to have, uh, people react so favorably to the work that you do, because, you know, you, you were working on this thing and you're, you know, it's, you're, you're looking at every detail and you get to the point where you looked at it so much that you can't see the big picture, you know, anymore because you're so looking at the minutia of, you know, is this wording in this particular panel? Is this, you know, is this the most concise way we can say this? You know, is this, are we positioning something in a way that is, you know, going to be beneficial for the story? I mean, that kind of stuff. And, and to finally, you know, get it out there and to have, you know, people react so favorably to it was, you know, obviously really gratifying. 
Yeah, and uh, I think anything you do creatively, anybody, artists, you know, podcasters, uh, <laughs> anything, like you put it out there and you just hope at least 10 people li- sh- uh, listen to it, read it, look sure. at it. And um, when you have people that respond to it, one, you're shocked because you're <laughs> like, how the, how the hell, you know – you know, for us, it was like, how the hell did we do, you know, get people to listen? <laughs> and yeah, no, you, I, I understand that. I really do. And, you know, especially when you are, you know, pouring like The Shepherd is a particularly emotional book um, and it its origins are particularly, you know, grounded in very powerful emotions, because as you as you know, it was grounded in a, uh, a nightmare that I had about my mm-hmm. son. And so you know, to write a story that is that close, uh, to the quick, um, it was very powerful and very draining. It's like pouring your, your soul out into the void and you don't know how people are going to take it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've, what we've seen is that many, many people have really resonated with it in very powerful ways. One of the, uh, podcasters I was talking about that, um, his name is, J- uh, Jeremy Vilner. Vilmer and um, he's uh, his podcast is geekish cast. And, uh, you know, in his particular case, um, you know, he shared with us that, you know, the, our story deals with the the death by drug overdose of the, the main character's son and that that had actually happened to him, oh, geez. you know, and uh, and then he was talking about, you know, the impact that the book had on him and how closely it mirrored the motions uh, and the 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 experiences that he went through as a, as a human being. And that was really intense to hear him share that. Um, so you, you know, one of the things that you, you have as an author is to have, you know, readers coming up to you and sharing the way that they interact with the story, because when you write the story, it means something to you. But then when you put it out there in a certain way, you're letting go of the story and other people will make of it what they will. And you have to come to some kind of peace about that, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. you know, because what you're doing is you're giving the story away yep. and by, and by doing that, you know, it's going to mean different things for different people. It's kind of like, you know, like songs, you know, like as you're, <laughs> especially when you're young, different songs take on different significance for different moments like this. It, the obvious thing is, you know, you listen to a song and this is now emotional and meaningful song that it's, you know, your song with your girlfriend you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it might mean something totally different to somebody else, you know? Um, but it's those kinds of things is, you know, the, the, um, singers and the bands didn't, I'm sure have that in mind necessarily when they were putting that out there, it meant something else to them as they were, you know, uh, putting it down on paper and creating it, but, uh, it, they're giving it away to somebody else now and it's going to mean something else. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately you just saying that reminds me of, you know, I was just reading stuff about the unfortunate uh, death of Chris Cornell. Yes. And how he was talking about, he never wanted to specifically say what any of his songs were about because there's something different to him than they are to everybody else who listens to him. Right. And, you know, so everybody will have their own interpretations and different meanings. So, you know, it, it, it you got to do that as, as a, a creative uh, artist to know that, you know, everyone has a different perspective, so it's going to come from different angles. And so, yeah. I also think that there's something, you know, I think that that's important to recognize as an artist because um, I'm of the mind that not all art 
is conscious, if that makes any sense. So in other words, as a writer or a painter or a sculpture or a musician, you have an idea in mind and you try to get it out there as best you can. And most of the time, what you have in mind and what actually gets out there are not necessarily the same thing. But that is what you consciously intend. But there, the human person is much more than just the sum total of what our conscious thoughts are. That there's all kind of these unconscious motivations and kind of deep-seated things and that they also you know, kind of play a role in the creative process. And so there may be more getting out there than you necessarily intended. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but it's just to say that, you know, art isn't always about, you know, I have, um, you know, this fine control over every single word, every single syllable. You can wish for that, but it's not necessarily uh, the case uh, that there's a lot more of that unconscious character to it. So, and Let's get the listeners a little bit updated, too. Uh, sure. We, we, now, we will not give spoilers out. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll do my best, because yeah. I, right. I, I do have some questions for you on sure, this. Sure. And then at the end... <laughs> <laughs> yes, jump to the end. Um, so, the shepherd, um, like said, it is a um, Professor Lawrence Miller's teenage son, Val, uh, overdoses uh, at a party. Um, he passes away. Um, Professor Lawrence, he has trouble, obviously coping with his son's death as anybody would um he also has a wife and uh another he has a daughter and another son too younger correct um so he has trouble coping with this and he's a theologian um which we'll get to in a second you are a a theologian as well correct yes yes and uh i was trying to find some clues uh from the from the book when i was reading and seeing how much came from your life in that with that so i was kind of interested in that um but lawrence thought um, he felt like Val was lost, and he never uh, transferred to the other side completely. Correct. So his idea is basically uh, he's so s- struck with grief and you know everything that's coming down on him that he basically decides that he needs to go help Val. That was his job is to get him over to the other side. So um, little spoiler, he does commit suicide and goes over to you know heaven or whatever the next realm is. Um, and the whole journey is basically him trying to look for Val uh, to help him, to usher him to the next side, and also take some uh, vengeance on um, the drug dealers and uh, dealers that basically got his son to overdose. Correct. Uh, that's that, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it right there. That's the excellent summary of, of the story there. Um, I think it's important, and I think you laid your finger on it, is that um, he loses it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things I try to show in that story is that, um, you know, he, he has a breakdown and, uh, you know, I mean, his imagining that his son is calling out to him, it turns out to be in fact the case. Uh, but it's, you know, this is not, he even kind of recognizes in retrospect that there's nothing rational about what, what I did, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but what's rattling around in his head and I try to show it in the story is that, because he's a theologian and he studied this certain body of literature, he's familiar with the ancient stories, uh, particularly you find them in the Greek tradition, but you find them in plenty of other traditions. In fact, the oldest Western, uh, the oldest piece of Western literature that survived is, you know, known as the Gilgamesh epic popularly. And it's the story of, you know, uh, two friends, two kind of like superheroes, so to speak, 
uh, one of which whom dies and the other one tries to follow him into the afterlife to try to rescue him in the afterlife. Um, and so that's kind of like rattling around in his head as a professor, this idea of, you know, and that is throughout these myths, this idea of going into the afterlife and rescuing a loved one and bringing them, you know, bringing them back, uh, from, from the, uh, from the brink. Of course, like I said, he's, you know, this doesn't happen in real life. So he's having basically having a breakdown, um, at, particularly related to his grief. And the whole time, um, when he's thinking about, you know, committed suicide and that, I kept thinking, you have other kids and a wife to take care of. Why are you doing this? But I think it just shows how far he's kind of, you know, gone off the edge of not being able to cope with it, with his yes. son's death. Um, yeah. And, you know, his son, you know, as, as you know, he kind of became overpowered. And you can see uh, Lawrence, you know, when he's beating up the uh, first junkie in the mobile home park and that, um, you know, he looks at him and he just thinks he's, you know, basically a waste. But Lawrence has basically become... I felt like he became a junkie to just his um, his uh, he became obsessed with getting getting to see his son again. And I felt yes. like that, that kind of paralleled it very well. I thought you did a good job with that. Yeah, I, I think that that's very much part of it, too, you know, is that he's not in a healthy place. Um, he's he's a mess. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a while. I mean, one of the one of the things, you know, my son and I talk about often is that we really want these characters to be growing, you know, uh, learning characters, if you allow me that, that term. Um, there's a, uh, a run of comics that has always been kind of like influential for me. Uh, they were, you know, meaningful to me. There's a run where um, it's uh, typically known as like the hard traveling heroes, Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Yes, and, yes. and they go through Great this, I think series. it's Denny O'Neill and... Mm -hmm. um, Oh God! I, um, I, I, I will find that for you because that is one of my favorite series. Because I love the Green Arrow. I'm I, pretty sure it's Denny O'Neill and uh, God. I'm, I'm forgetting. I feel humiliated. That I'm forgetting the name of the artist, but um, it's a really important series. And why I bring it up is that it's a series of stories where these two heroes kind of come down to the grassroots level and deal with crime and social problems at a very kind of like ordinary level, you know, instead of mm -hmm. fighting these cosmic battles against invading aliens and super powered beings and that sort of stuff, they deal with racism. They deal with, you know, uh, poverty. They deal with, you know, uh, oppressive uh, structures in society. And, it, you know, these characters kind of have their eyes opened as part of this, you know, series, this relatively short run that these, you know, in there. And I, I've always found that to be beautiful to see characters that could kind of like learn and in some way be a cipher for the reader themselves, you know, that the reader can have their eyes opened as they, you know, vicariously in the story are confronting these social issues of the, of the given day, you know? So that's something that we kind of wanted to be able to do with the characters, um, you know, within the shepherd. So, uh, that was also Neil Adams, Neil Adams. Thank you. And, you know, I should know this because I rarely see him at cons and I've actually talked to him several times, which is, you know, I, I always have a hard time knowing what to say because like you meet somebody who's a hero of yours mm -hmm. who literally, you know, his drawings of Batman, for example, 
are literally, you know, like when I close my eyes and imagine Batman or Green Arrow, it's a Neil Adams yes. Batman or Green Arrow because that was the one that I grew up with in the 70s. You know, so that's, uh, yeah, so I've humiliated that one of my, I couldn't remember the names of one of my own heroes. I'm apparently getting senile. So there it is. We've been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to give uh, listeners, too, um, when Lawrence, uh, he crosses over, he meets his father. Correct. And his father gives him um, what he thinks is a necklace, and it becomes basically a staff. It's the staff of will, correct? The staff of truth. Truth, truth. truth. Sorry, truth. yeah. Um, and basically, that's what he uses to take out his aggression on the drug, uh, the drug dealers, and uh, everybody. Uh, but it drains him as well, right? Um, where... And that's really important. His father actually warns him about that because mm-hmm. um, what I'm trying to get at there, of course, is this idea that truth. Uh, can be used, and his father tells him this, it can be used as a scalpel to heal or a weapon to hurt somebody. And we see this all the time. I mean, you can, you know, we see people who say, well, I'm going to just tell them like it is, you know, but they they don't care the way that they deliver that. You know, they just leave somebody a, in a heap. You know, uh, they, they tell them the truth, but they say it in the most unloving and, and cruel manner possible so that that truth ends up crushing that person. And conversely, you know, uh, if the truth is delivered in a loving and kind and, and merciful way, it can actually have a tremendous, uh, you know, force for, for healing in a person's life. You know, uh, even though it may be hard to hear, it can at the same time bring a lot of good, you know. And so his father kind of warns him about that. But, of course, he's not in a position to really hear what his father's saying. Is, is it speaks bad to my character that I really just wanted him to take vengeance on everybody? <laughs> you know what? I don't think it does. And because I think that that's an incredibly human reaction. Uh, I think that, you know, when we have had somebody that we love or ourselves that has been cruelly hurt by somebody else. And we, especially if we feel that that was done in a way that is not just accidental, that mm-hmm. it was reflective of, of true malice. Like they, they literally don't care that they're willing to just run another person over and just hurt them without any regard for them whatsoever. There's, I think it's very natural for us to have that desire for vengeance. Um, however, you know, I think what is really important is that the mature human being is able to kind of like process those feelings and, you know, approach them in a more rational manner to say, OK, let's say I take vengeance, you know, and I do, you know, I retaliate and I do this to these people. You know, what are the consequences of that? You know, mm-hmm. uh, who else is going to be hurt? You know, because obviously that person also has people that love them. So if I hurt that that other person, then I am in some way my my anger, my vengeance that strikes that person also has a ripple effect on her on the people around them that care for that person, you know, so there, there really is a social consequence, uh, to each act of violence. And I thought when, um, Lawrence was, you know, he got his, he pretty much got, I guess, I guess you could call it a cloak. This is, you know, super, he's not a superhero, but you know, his, his super his, suit, yeah, his super shoot. <laughs> um, when he got, he reminded me of, um, DC's the specter. And I really, I thought that was, I kind of drew a, some parallels to, um, not to Hal Jordan Spectre, please God, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw a little bit of that in there, which is good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like sure. that. Um, 
and I, I really did like the staff as a weapon and as a healing th- uh, mechanism too. Um, did you have influence on his look or was that basically up to the artist? Because I saw that there was two artists on um, this book. There was originally, um, you had to pick and the right. one had to step away because he had um, a family emergency, a family illness with his kid. Um, right. And I did like how you put that in the um, book that we got, um, how you because he worked on it, and I like that you did that. Well, thank you. I it, it he had I had a lot of affection for him, and I had tremendous respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Josh Barker, and ironically, um, I've just been in contact with him recently, and he's going to do some promotional art for me. So oh, okay. we're actually Excellent. you're going to actually see more of him doing the shepherd. So I'm really excited about that. Um, getting at your original question with his, you know, outfit is in a lot of ways, his outfit is just an ordinary, his ordinary professorial kind of garb. The only thing that really is, you know, like a costume, so to speak, is the hood. Mm-hmm. And the hood to me is more symbolic of, you know, his, his, that he's dead, you know, that he's, there's something shrouded. It's something, um, it's an element to his look that, uh, you know, you know, leaves him kind of in the shadows, like the true face is in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, he wants it that way because there's been so much pain that he suffered that he doesn't want to show you who he is anymore. Uh, so he's, it's, there's an element of hiding in that, in that hood behind the hood or in inside kind of in that hood. But um, if you look at the way that he's dressed, he's wearing, you know, the trench coat that he wore in mm-hmm. life. He's wearing the tie, the dress pants, all those things that he wore, you know, as a as a professor. They're all still there because that part of him still kind of is um, resonating. It's still kind of like simmering under the surface. And you'll see as the stories go on, the professor in him starts to make a re a rebirth, you know, because the professor in him, if you look at some of the early elements of the story, notice like the night that his son dies, what is he doing? You know, think back to what he's doing. Yeah, he's teaching and he's meeting. He's with teaching. Yeah. And then he the reason why he's not available at the time that all this is going down is because he's spending extra time with his students mentoring mm-hmm. them. You know, so he is a very committed professor. He's very concerned about his students and also about his family. I mean, that's what you know, what breaks him, what makes it him unable to cope with the death of his son is that, you know, he he really carries the sense of failure, you know, that he failed his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that I think is very real. Like if you read what I wrote in there, I think there's a lot of, um, myself very much laid bare, uh, because, you know, when you go to grad school, like my son, the one who is, the, had the nightmare about his name is Roberto mm-hmm. my co-writer. Um, you know, he was, uh, when he was born the first several years of his life, I was writing my dissertation. I was working in my doctorate program. And like he was born in 93. I graduated in 90, 96. So the first three years of his life, uh, all he knew was his dad working on that. In fact, there's a little wrinkle I left in the story there. I put in the story where when he was a baby, he's like less than two years old. And my son is toddling around telling people that I can't play with you right now because I've got to go write my dissertation. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that as a two-year-old. And the yeah. reason why he's saying that is because he's heard his father say this to him repeatedly. you know. And so there's this element that I think 
that is there not only for myself, but also I think with a lot of fathers is the, what it takes to make a living in this world, to try to yeah. make it in your career and then take care of your family. You have this guilt to say, you know, am I being a good enough father? Am I there for my family? Am I present? You know, cause a lot of times you work all these hours and then when you finally do get home, you're, you're spent, you know, yes. you're, you're just worn out and they're, you, you know, they, they just want your time and attention. And it's like, you, you just don't have anything left to give. And so sometimes you can be, you know, kind of, um, short with them. And, mm -hmm. and in time you start reflecting on that and just saying, you know, have I lost my way? You know, um, am I, you know, and it's funny, it's the weirdest thing because you're, you're doing all the stuff you're doing. Theoretically, you're doing it, you know, for, for your family. And, and yet at the same time, your family is kind of like in some ways suffering from, you know, what it is taking from you, what it's taking out of you, you know? Um, so it's kind of a weird, a weird setting. And so I, I include a lot of that in him grappling with the, with the death of his son, because that, that sense of regret, you know, of when you lose somebody that you love, you know, you go over the time that you had with them and you say, you know, how much of this time was, did I waste over things that, you know, in the grand scheme of things now don't seem very important, you know? Yeah. And I have that issue now, cause I have a seven year old, a three year old and a 10 month old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that's about amazing. It. <laughs> that's great. I mean, I think I really do. I think that's awesome. But I think being a parent is one of the best things you can do in your life, you know, but, but you are right though. I mean, it is a struggle because you don't know if you're spending enough time with them and I'm OCD. And so my wife will, tell me at times that you, you know, cause I'm, you know, my son's, my kids want to play in that and I'm playing with them. And then back in my mind, I got about a thousand things going on. Like I need to clean the house. I need to cut the grass. I need to do this. I need to do that. And my wife tells me all the time, you need to just stop thinking about it, which isn't easy to do. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's the same thing. And then you got work and everything else. And I think it is a struggle for everybody. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think if, uh, you know, you get, you don't do enough. If you spend a lot of time with them, you know, then you feel guilty that you're not providing for them as well. And it's vice versa. I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's the best of intentions, but I don't think you can win either way. No, I don't think it. you do. I, I'm, I suspect that this is something that parents, you know, men and women have gone through, you know, have thought through for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, wrestled with these things, uh, because it just is always complicated to try to, you know, to make a living. And it's very easy, I think, especially in our society to kind of lose your way and focus on things that, you know, um, that cannot be, that, that aren't really as important as we make them out to be, I guess is the best way mm -hmm. to put it. I, I had the, um, the kind of good fortune, my, as you know, from my last name, Molinari, it will surprise you. I'm sure <laughs> to hear that I'm of a D Italian descent. Uh, my dad, <laughs> My dad was from Italy and he came over when he was 27. And um, a few years ago, I had the first opportunity to actually go to Italy. And mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting. And I think this is true when we go to visit other cultures. We get a chance to see how other people live their lives in a culture that's not like ours. And it gives us a really unique opportunity to, to, to step back and say, you know, they're very different. Their approach is very different than ours, you know do they have something here? Mm. I mean, this is, you know, and what I really came away with is that in a lot of ways, the Italians live a life that is a lot saner than ours. I mean, they don't have all the stuff and the bells and whistles that we have, but they kind of like get each other better mm -hmm. than we do. Like, just to give you an example, like, you know, um, we were in a, I, granted it was a smaller town, you know, 
particular small town, the town of Rapallo, which is uh, south of Genoa and then on the uh, Italian Riviera. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, people came out of their houses and were congregating in the gelaterias and the bars and the, you know, the, the places along, along the street and the sitting on the, the park benches and just hanging out with each other. You know, and I and I think all too often, like in the United States, it's like we work such long hours that when we're finally done with work, we kind of hibernate in our respective houses because it's like we've had so much of everybody else. We just don't want any more. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like we just you know, you just it's me and the television, you know, and this beer, you know, and that's it kind of thing. And um, what I, my take from them was that I think that they live in relationship to each other, perhaps better than we do. And um, they don't. You don't get the feeling like they're living to work, you know, mm -hmm. they work so that they can live, not um, not the other way around. And we kind of put our whole focus, our identity is on that job. And I I just think it's a it's a rabbit hole that you can, uh, you know, it's it can be a big mistake. I feel like, you you know, people have said, you know, social media is the greatest invention and the worst invention. And it's, yeah. it's true. You can connect to anybody, which is the greatest thing in the world. And even, you know, not to be on a downer, but I mean, even yesterday um, sure. with Manchester and that, you know, people were able to find each other because of that. Right. Uh, you know, after the bombing that and, you know, but then on the other side, the flip side of it, the worst part is that, you know, everybody is, you know, braver behind a computer screen. Uh, nobody interacts in America as much, you know, you can go to a restaurant and it always cracks me up. Like, you know, you have a husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant others, doesn't matter. They can be at dinner and they're both on their phones at the same time. And it yeah. boggles yeah. my mind. <laughs> no. And that's exactly it. You know, like, and that even that whole dinner thing is like, you know, um, how much do we really eat together anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, and when we do, it's always just this, you know, it's like uh, an airplane touching down on a runway and then just coming, you know, <laughs> yes. going right back up into the air kind of thing. And, and in Italy, you know, there, it was not uncommon to spend several hours at a dinner, you know, <laughs> and, and really enjoy it. It was just like, Oh, so this is like what people hanging out, you know, spending time together. And it was, and it was like, good, you know, I was like, wow, this is, you know, <laughs> this is an ironic, crazy idea, you know, people sitting down, enjoying a meal together. And then I don't know, talking, you know, <laughs> It's, it's a good crazy. idea if you like you your know? family. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what this is, you know? So, but it's, I think it's good to have that opportunity, you know, and like I said, it's not just with Italy, but with other cultures in general, whatever culture, mm -hmm. to have that opportunity to have a critique of our own culture. Um, and we've got plenty of good things going in our culture too. I mean, this is not, you know, bash our culture thing, but it's just to say, you know, that it's important for us to look at our lives in a more critical uh, manner and to say, you know, are we living our lives the best way that we could, you know, are we just buying into kind of this naked capitalism that says, Oh, you need the X, Y, Z, you know, you have all these possessions, you have literally no time for them because all you do is work, you know, but by God, I've got a boat, you know, I'm <laughs> never in it, but uh, I've got one, you know, it's uh it's kind of a bizarre, a bizarre way of living. And I, and I, you, it came across well in the book too, with Lawrence and that I think he, you, you conveyed it very well that he didn't realize that until he lost something obviously important to him. Um, and then he just basically went down the, the rabbit hole, like you said. Yeah. Um, the one question is a couple of things here uh, before we wrap up. Um, this is the first of what you're hoping is a series, correct? Yes, absolutely. In mm -hmm. fact, it's more, much more than a hope. Um, we already have 
uh, well, the second book is called The Shepherd, The Path of Souls. Okay. And my goal is to have that, my son and I are intending to have that published this fall. Okay. And um, so, I mean, it's been written for a long time, and I think we have like, it's about a 175-page novel, mm-hmm. which just to put in perperspective, the first novel, Apocatastasis, uh, is about 119, 120 pages. So this mm-hmm. is a substantially bigger piece of work. And we've got about 31, 32 pages left to do. And I saw and, that you had some of that up on uh, your your Facebook page, too, the Shepherd yes, Facebook page. Yes, we, do, look at we that. do share that. And that's probably the best – that's the best place to – you know, to keep up with us. I mean, we do have an Instagram, uh, we do, which we use all the time. Uh, we do have, you know, Tumblr, we do have, um, Twitter that we use. We use all those, uh, as well, but the Facebook is nice because it's a, um, it's kind of like in lieu of a, of a, of a web page. Uh, and it's just, it's easier to tie in with people and that's nice. So, but we, uh, we are sharing, you know, art from that, that second novel. And then my son, uh, actually, you know, told me stand aside, dad, I've got the third story and he's already <laughs> oh. written, he's already written the third story, which is called the shepherd, the tether. Okay. And, um, so that's, in fact, I'm, I'm in the process of actually doing research for the fourth book. Um, so we definitely, you know, we're intending to, to see where this goes. Um, um now will you have, uh, Lawrence and his pet, monster or wolf uh <laughs> in every single one or could you do something like because i was when i was reading this i was thinking that you could do something similar to the crow series that mm-hmm. you could have somebody different in that role yeah you know one of the things my son and i have actually talked about is to say you know this role of the shepherd the one who carries this staff mm-hmm. um that we think he's not the first one to carry okay. the staff um, that in fact, this staff has existed for, you know, for all time and that there have been different people who have carried it at different times. And, you know, it's, it's a choice to carry it. This is not something that you're required to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, a role that you can take on and then you can let it, you can set it down when you're ready, you know, when your soul's ready to move on because the shepherd exists uh, in a middle ground called yes. the seam. And this is uh, just to, you know, give you a little bit of background on this. You know, I'm very, you know, obviously, you know, as you said to the, to the listeners, you know, my background is in theology, but I've always been very fascinated by otherworldly journeys. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, a big motivating uh, and influencing story for me is, of course, the Dante's Divine Comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's there are three parts to that story. And, of course, the most famous part is the Inferno, you know, yeah. Hell. Uh, but there are two other parts to it, and one is called Paradiso, uh, obviously paradise, and then the third one is Purgatorio. And the purgatory, or the the middle ground, is a place that is described where souls are that are not evil souls, but are flawed, mm-hmm. you know, and they go through this process of kind of a purification, and uh, and that is exactly what the shepherd is all about. That's what that. Greek term apocatastasis is all about it. It actually means restoration. And it and what we do, what we're doing with the shepherd is we are telling stories about souls that are flawed and what it takes to come to restoration for those souls. And uh, so we're, you know, and the beauty of it is, you know, as my son and I joke about is that, you know, any soul that has ever lived in any time in any culture is fair game. Okay. You know, 
So you, we can literally tell stories about Vikings. We can tell stories about, you know, samurai. We can tell stories about Zulu. We can tell stories about the Amazon. Uh, you know, there's really no limit. And you're going to see some of this in the next story in the, the Path of Souls because our we actually have four characters that we encounter, four souls that we deal with in this particular story. And um, the basics of this story is that uh, it actually was motivated because of my wife. My wife works for the VA. And what she does is she works with counseling. She counsels um you know, victims of post-traumatic stress disorder, military mm -hmm. sexual trauma and traumatic brain injury. Jeez. And so I'm hearing these stories, you know, she doesn't tell me the names of these people, but she tells me the basics of the, mm -hmm. of the stories, you know, and you're hearing this all the time. And so I, I was thinking about it and I thought to myself, you know, wouldn't it be cool if in the afterlife there was a place for soldiers that are suffering from post-traumatic stress, you know, like the, in other words, the soldiers and veterans that come back from combat, they are suffering, you know, many of them suffering from post-traumatic stress. But what about those soldiers or Marines that fell in combat? Mm -hmm. You know, would their souls experience post-traumatic stress? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so we that's what we're doing is we're telling stories of four different souls. And we're imagining this place that we're, we're referring to as, as if it were like a a hospital in the afterlife for souls like this. And um, there are four soldiers from different time periods and cultures. We have a U.S. Marine who died in Fallujah 2004. We have a uh, Confederate soldier who died at the Battle of Fredericksburg in 1862. We have a French Napoleonic soldier who died in Jaffa in what is modern, close to modern-day Tel Aviv in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fourth is a... Um, a Wendat Huron Indian who died in the late 1640s uh, fighting the Iroquois. But you never so, get the War of 1812. They never get recognized. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you've ever read that, about that war, that's a single-handedly single embarrassing war. I mean, it really is. There's just, there's just really nothing really positive to say about that war. You know, it's like, we, I don't know if you have you read about this. I'm from Michigan originally. Okay? Yeah. So I know quite a bit about that war. It's read you know, plenty about it. And, you know, like we had to defend Detroit, you know, <laughs> and we're going to defend Detroit, you know, and, and, and we gave up without, without firing a shot. We surrendered to sit. I'm like, really, <laughs> really? Did you, you know, that's the best you could do. I mean, that's embarrassing. Come on. Do you, you know? feel, do you feel though that maybe you should have given up Detroit? I mean, I, I feel like that's not a bad thing. <laughs> oh man, that was just that's that's tough, you know. Oh. So it's and then of course we invade Canada, you know. And I'm like, really, we invaded Canada? They really? deserved okay. it. <laughs> yeah, you know what did they do to deserve that, you know, punishment? And then we we fight the, you know, read the Battle of Quebec. I think that the the uh, American forces lose more to cold weather than they do to actual <laughs> battle casualties. I'm, I mean, like this is not these. That's why most people don't know about that war because it's well, it's, it's a cross between boring and embarrassing, you know. It's and I, like I feel you know, like uh, we've suffered because of that because then the Detroit Red Wings came along. So I feel like it's punishment. <laughs> There you go. I, I like to think that we're suffering with the Lions. I mean, I'm a lifelong Lions fan. I, I feel like I've atoned for many whatever sins we committed. We've, we've suffered for. Yeah, them, I guess me. the Lions fans pretty much have suffered for a, a long oh, time. Oh God. 
you know, I always tell people it's like there's there's only, you know, true Lions fans because anybody who is a Fairweather fan, there's been so little Fairweather that, you know, <laughs> it's we're not like the Patriots, you know, it's like everyone's uh, a Patriots fan. It's like, terrible oh, yeah, fans, you know, terrible. How difficult is that, you know? It's like, so being so easy when fan. you win every year to cheer for Exactly. Someone. It's like, well, yeah, that Brady guy is terrible. <laughs> how many championships has he won, you know? Uh, you'll be happy to know that my wife actually became a – uh, Detroit fan, Lions fan, when you guys went 0-16. Oh, God. And she's like, I feel really bad for them. And it, oh, let me tell you something. That was just, like, the worst. Just <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on, like, we hate the Bears, okay? We hate the Bears. And I wouldn't wish that on Bears fans. I, some days I might, but yeah. I wouldn't wish it even on them, you know? And Ooh, uh, that, it was just fans. bad. And I can tell you this, is that the years that Tampa Bay that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. And then when the Saints won the Super Bowl, that was actually two of the most wonderful Super Bowls ever for me. Because I was like, if those two teams could win the Super Bowl, maybe before I die, you know, we'll see the Lions win one. What the heck? You know, if they, if the, if the Aints and the Yuccaneers can win, and I was legitimately happy. I, you know, I live down here in Florida now and I hang, I've got lots of uh, Buccaneer fans around me and, you know, so I was happy for him. I, you know, if they're not playing the Lions, I'm more than happy to cheer for him. So, well, our co-host who's not here this week, uh, Blake, uh, he is a big Browns fan. He grew up there. Oh God, help him! Yeah, yeah. and um, I just feel so bad for them. It's like when they and then when they're going to draft, you know, they always we all know where they draft, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's like you just know it's like okay, what car wreck are we going to get this year? You know, it's like uh, you know. And of course, they never seem to get that franchise quarterback. You know, it's like at a certain point, the NFL should just step in and just say, "Okay, we're going to give you a franchise quarterback because, well, it's embarrassing for all of us." Okay, Tom Brady, you're now a brand number one. (laughs) Sorry about your luck. We're actually giving you Matthew Stafford. Damn it! Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's why you know, and what cracks me up, Matthew Stafford is head and shoulders the best quarterback the Lions have had ever, ever. Joey Harrington. Just is absolutely, yeah, the best, <laughs> and uh, and it's not exactly a deep pool, you know. I mean, the likes of Andre Ware and Rodney Pete and Joey Harrington, and and there's a litany that goes beyond that too. Uh, yeah, so we're I'm happy to have the guy, and yet it's interesting that you listen to Lions fans, and it's like the way they tell it's like, oh, this guy's a stiff, and we hate him, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, when he's when this man retires, we have literally no chance. You know, it's like it never happen. You know. The man led us from behind. We won uh, eight games last year come from behind. I mean, seriously. It's like. But. but and we won nine games total, I want you to know. Okay. <laughs> so that means I was just like, at a certain point, I was like, is there any chance that we could win a game going away? Is there is there any <laughs> hope of this ever happening? You know, because you're going through this cardiac arrest every, you know, it's just too emotional. It's just too emotional. <laughs> But in all fairness, Joey Harrington knew how to play a piano. Yes, he did. And he was he was very talented. I mean, I liked him too. I you know what? I support whoever takes snaps under center, as far as I'm concerned. Unless it's Johnny Mantell. You know? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, we're going to let you go. I appreciate you right. coming on our show, sir. Um, and when you bring the, when you get the second one out, uh, please give us mine. We would love to have you back on it. Uh, you got well. it. You got it. Um, our Facebook page, uh, History of Bad Ideas. Uh, podcast will have uh, links to your book as well uh, tomorrow and uh, the rest of the week in that. 
Um, I appreciate that. Not a problem. So people can go there and uh, take a look at it and order it. I, I loved it. Um, I Thank really you. did. I, I thought it was very well done. It was different yeah. than anything I was expecting. I didn't do any research on it in terms before I read your, the graphic novel because I didn't want to know anything about it. I didn't want to know any summary of it or anything. And, I think uh, that's a good way to go, to be honest with you. It's just kind of let the art speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And we already um, summarized it for everybody. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I can tell your listeners is if they're cautious – if they go to the Facebook page for The Shepherd, and this is at Caliber Comics ENT, mm-hmm. The Shepherd at Caliber Comics ENT at, on Facebook, um, there's a Cafe Press store right at the top of the page. But right underneath that, there there's a place where you can actually download issue one for free. Okay. So, Excellent. yeah, it's in a Dropbox link. So, you know, I tell people that all the time. You can read the first issue and see if it if it hits you, you know. And if you do, then, you know, go for it. And if We'd that first issue you. doesn't hit you, that's uh, uh, you pretty much have no soul because that was a uh, <laughs> that was a heavy one. Yeah, uh, you, you, you can definitely tell that this is a labor of love, and you can tell it's yeah, deeply rooted in who you are. Thanks, I appreciate that. It's very true. We're we're really trying to write stories that are meaningful stories. Um, you know, despite my background as a theologian, I'm not trying to preach to you, uh, no. but I do want to no, write it, a story. It certainly that doesn't come across in your so. heart. You know. Um, and that's something that's important because I, you know, there are lots of stories out there, but I would like to, I'd like to hope that I can write a story that will stick with you, that you'll remember, you know, uh, and that if I can do that, then that's, that's really all you could ask for as a writer. Uh, the one thing is too, I do to ask this of all of our guests, if you ever do an audio book, just keep me in mind. I do master impressions. Um, (laughs) so just keep that in mind. You can ask Kevin, Chris from three, six, five. I, I am pretty cool. good at it. I do a yeah, yeah. Michael Caine. They'll certainly recommend his impressions. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I I would love I love audiobooks. In fact, I'm listening to a, a Tom Clancy. I've never actually read a Tom Clancy book, but mm-hmm. I have listened to, you know, over a dozen of his books, and I think he's a brilliant writer. I mean, I I continue to be amazed at the talent that that man had. I'll be honest, you do not want me doing audio <laughs> <laughs> But thank you, I appreciate it. And um, we will have everything up on our Facebook page. And um, the book, again, is The Shepherd. I'm not going to try to pronounce that second part. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, go to our Facebook page and we will have it. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. And, again, everything can be on our Facebook page. You can get that and uh, look them up on Amazon. Comicology and everything else. Yes, so. want to thank Andre again. It was a fun and enjoyable uh, time to discuss uh, uh, his comic and pretty much some philosophies of life. Yeah, I like to have him back to yes. talk about that. Uh, let's see here. One other thing going on: uh, the Mummy. It's arriving June 9th. Are you excited, Jeff? I've never been excited for any mummy movie. I mean, if, if there's no Evan Costello meeting him, I don't know how excited I am. How great would that be if Tom Cruise's character was Abbott? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so it opens June 9th to much to nobody's care. Uh, the best part is Universal has said that it wasn't. Then it was. Then it wasn't. And now it's back to being a shared universe. Oh. Something they've already tried with limited success in Dracula Untold. So, much like the X-Men films, nobody knows what's connected. <laughs> so, <laughs> good job, guys. Well done. 
Uh, so they said that their shared universe is officially called Dark Universe. That sounds like something that would be in Star Trek. That was a sci-fi channel show. Oh. I don't know. Uh, Johnny Depp is going to be playing the Invisible Man in future How do we know? Ah! I like how you have the most charismatic guy and he's going to be invisible. That's mm-hmm. a smart move. Uh, let's see. Javier Bardem. Actually, they were both in Pirates that comes out this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be joining uh, him as Frankenstein's monster. But uh, not in the same movie. No, he will uh, be playing the monster in the upcoming Bride of Frankenstein remake. Yippee. Uh, the only new film that has been announced at this moment. So we have a shared universe. One movie. <laughs> With well, the mummy. We don't know if Dracula Untold is it. They never officially announced no, it. No, but I mean, it's more than one movie. I mean, we got Black Bride of Frankenstein and Invisible Man. That's two movies. Invisible Man they did not announce as a movie. He oh. may be in something. Oh, <laughs> oh, he might be in the Invisible Man in someone else's movie. That's all. He's not going to be in Amber Heard, anyways. Uh, they they got broke up. Anyways, is that his wife? That was his wife. Oh. Johnny Depp's wife. Oh, they didn't sign a prenup. Anyways, uh, let's see. <laughs> see, the last I knew on Johnny Depp's lo- uh, love life, he was with no- Winona Ryder. Oh God, that was a long time ago. Yeah, but he got a tattoo that said Winona Forever. Oh, that didn't work out. Did, did you see how he changed it? No. You, he changed Winona to Wino. Wino forever. Wino forever is what his tattoo says. Good Apparently he does like wine. Oh, well, good for him. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Universal even rolled out a website uh, for their organization, Prodigium. P-R-O-D-I-G. Oh, no, you make me read this. I-U-M. Prodigium. Run by Henry Jekyll. A.K.A. played Russell by Russell Crowe. That actually suits Russell Crowe. He is a very Jekyll and Hyde character in real life. I could see him pulling that off. That's supposed to be stringing this all together. The site has a brief video that hints at other monsters, including Dracula and the Gill Man, who is from Creature from Black Lagoon. Dracula's from Creature from Black Lagoon? No, the Gill Man. Oh! Uh, Let's see here. Both who have seemed to have gone up against Jekyll's team and lost. It's not clear how Cruz's character, Nick Morton... Fits in here. Not Bud Abbott. No. Uh, and furthermore, that pro does not seem to be a very nice bunch of people, according to Universal's press release. And I quote. I think it's pro Okay, well, until they come on the show. It's pro Yes. Led by the enigma- enigmatic <laughs> and brilliant Dr. Henry Jekyll, Prodigium. Prodigium. Mission is to track, study, and when necessary, destroy evil embodied in the form of monsters in our world. Working against the agus of any government. Ages. And with practices concealed by millennial of secrecy. Prodigium. Prodigium. Protects the public from knowledge of the evil that exists just beyond the thin membrane of civilized society. And it will go to any length to contain it. Here's the issue. Uh, so these are the people protecting us from the monsters? Is yeah, that what the... But then they're going to have the monsters help them out. Isn't that Hellboy? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Hellboy's going to do it a whole lot better. <laughs> and David Hyde Pierce. Anyway. Um, Did just the voice of. That's right. He was the gill man. <laughs> he was the fish. Oh, my God. This is going to be bad, right? This is not going to work out. And I love the Universal Monsters. I just don't see this working. You're the one who loves the Universal Monsters. There's a couple of us. I have. I love the creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't know how you're going to put that into it. Uh, let's see. I don't understand how, you know, is Dracula in this? Is Dracula Untold in this? 
Dracula Untold will not be in this, but Dracula will be. Okay. I don't think it bodes well that they only announced Bride of Frankenstein. Wouldn't you think they would make the Frankenstein movie first? They did. It was called I, Frankenstein. That's not included either. (laughs) Aaron Eckhart is not in this world. I, I think they, you know, they didn't want to do an origin story. Hey, I'll give them credit. Good for them. Good for them. We're going right to the wedding. There we go. Because everybody loves weddings. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't love weddings? Uh, let's see here. Uh, they did say, um, or the one rumor coming out is that, uh, we've talked about this before, Tom Cruise is actually going to be playing Van Helsing. So, I will say they did I hope great... to God that he isn't Van Helsing. He could die. I'd rather him be Bud Abbott. <laughs> Bud Abbott versus the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have... Um, an issue that well the one the one positive is though they did get some big names for it they got Johnny Depp Javier Bardem they got Tom Cruise and yeah. Russell Crowe and Russell Crowe that's is, a nice yeah that's a nice legion of them I have no issue with that you know what it reminds me of what's that uh, the uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen yes hopefully Sean Connery edits this too oh that would be good yeah that would be fuck you Sean uh, <laughs> the welcome to the rock welcome to the league of extraordinary gentlemen don't be stealing my spotlight get over there go away go away Billy the Kid <laughs> Tom Sawyer whatever his name is <laughs> You're like a Billy the Kid. Who else is there? Invisible man? <laughs> I'll give you an invisible penis to the face. <laughs> the penis is mightier than the sword. <laughs> you got a penis mightier? <sighs> Anyways, welcome to the rock. <laughs> I feel like it always has to end on that. Hey, I will give you credit on that. Mm-hmm. That was not falling into any of your other... Uh, exactly. I mean, you, you actually stayed in character. You didn't slip into your, your Cajun or your Michael Caine. I'll give you complete credit on that one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Anyways. So, that is your News of the Geek. It's exciting. The Mummy! Yay! Yay! Hey, Hobie listeners. We do on September 22nd through 24th. If anything, if you're in Cincinnati, you should probably come to the Cincinnati Comic Expo at the Duke Energy Center. It's a fun-filled weekend uh, with lots and lots of fellow geeks and nerds. Uh, Here's some of the stars coming. Julian Glover from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade from Game of Thrones. He plays the Heatmeister, I think. Uh, We also have Greg Capullo, the artist from Batman. Uh, We got John Ratzenberger, Cliff Clavin himself, and in every other Pixar films. I wish I should probably lead with that instead of the... Cliff Clavin, because no one has seen that in years. We also have Adam Hughes, who was on Wonder Woman. And we got Carrie Yules from The Princess Bride, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and many other films. So, if you're in the Cincinnati area, September 22nd through the 24th, 2017, go to the CincinnatiComicExpo.com, get your tickets, and uh, we will see you at the expo. Before we get to the top five, Jeff. Yes. September 22nd through the 24th, we're going to be at the Expo. Yes, the Cincinnati Comic Expo, to be specific. At the Duke Energy Center in downtown Cincinnati. Yes. They announced some new people. Dirk Manning is going to be there from Nightmare World. He is uh, an artist, and uh, he was there last year. All right. Uh, Wallace Shawn. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. 
Inconceivable. He also played Rex in on Toy, Toy Story. Story. Uh, the all oh, yeah comics lineup uh, continues to You grow. just glossed right over the best that Wallace Shawn ever did. What's that? My dinner with Andre. Moving on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the all year comics uh, uh, company, sorry, uh, is having Kurtwood. He's coming back to it. Uh, Scoot Mc, uh, McMahon uh, will be joining the all year comics team as well. All right. Uh, everybody loves the name Scoot. Uh, so there you go. And Deb's buddy, Jay Fosgett, he will be there too. Uh, we actually interviewed him last year. You sound so disappointed. Oh, Dev's buddy. <laughs> no, he's great. We actually interviewed him last year, and he was on our uh, show. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, there he is. Uh, Art Balthazar. Uh, Balthazar, sorry. Uh, he does the Archie comics. So. so, you're getting some autographs. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take my shirt off. This is Archie's ab. Get him to sign your ab. Yeah, ab. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, and then you also do Scott Steiner and Greg Capula. Did you say Scott Steiner? Snyder. Oh, Snyder. <laughs> you had doing, Rick? <laughs> Big Papa Pump. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do steroids. No, no, I didn't. Speak of that, Jinder Mahal beat the Randy Orton for the belt this week. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, he was jobbing to most wrestlers in under three minutes literally two months ago. And now he's the heavyweight yeah, champion. Why not? You know what? They get they took a chance. They're going to do it. They did the same thing with JBL years ago, and it paid off great. You know I what? Never people, liked JBL. But you know what? People bitch yeah. that WWE never gives new people a chance. Yeah. There you go. Now you can make the argument others deserve it, like Cesaro. I agree. But at least they're doing something different. You don't want Randy Orton as champ? We'll give you somebody different. There you go. So, exactly. It was what he said. Fu- it was kind of funny that Randy Orton during the Backlash pay-per-view, you can always tell when he's in the I don't give a fuck because I'm going to lose the belt mode, uh, which he's done 13 other times. <laughs> That's how many times he lost the belt? He's been a 13-time champion every time. I'm like, he's been a 12-time loser. Uh, <laughs> so, But Jinder uh, uh, Mahal's uh, buddies came out to help him. And they're low, they're like little bit like cruiserweight guys. Yeah. And uh, Randy Orton flipped them onto the tables, the announce tables, and I think he literally killed some one of them. Like they did a flip and landed almost on their head, and the camera caught Randy Orton, and he just gave the smirk like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't care. <laughs> he just didn't care. What me? But it was pretty funny. It's a funny scene. But you could just tell, like, Randy Orton is like, hey, I'm going to lose the belt to this jerk. Ah, fuck it. I just don't care. <laughs> Good for you. Way to be classy. All right. Enough wrestling talk. Sorry. Top five. What is our top five this week? Top five worst film adaptations of literary characters. Literary characters. Could be comic books. And according to, <laughs> according all to listener everybody in listener feedback, <laughs> it was all comic book yes. characters. Yes. <laughs> So congratulations! Yes, it's yes. <laughs> like worst uh, page to screen uh, character adaptation, and boom, everyone immediately jumped on comics. Which I was trying to take away the comics, <laughs> and I still had a lot. <laughs> so what's your number five, Jeff? Uh, my number five is Doctor Doom. You're a motherfucker. That's my number one. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that didn't take long. Nope, on the board. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have a lot of overlap here. I don't. Uh, number one. There I'll go. let you know that's my only comic book one. Oh, well, no, we're not going to. And that. that's why he's at my number five. I think he's the worst comic book adaptation of a character in both uh, sets of movies that featured him. He is so awesome in the comics. Yes. And powerful. And then you take him to the movies. And yeah, and, and they make him a businessman 
and a or a, a blogger. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here, people? That gets taken out by a manhole cover and turns fr- uh, ice. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Deem, that's all. Yeah, I agree. He was my number one. Fucking Fantastic Four. Uh, my number five is a tie. I hope he did. All right. I did a lot of Hobies. Uh, a couple. Uh, number five, just because I really don't like care about the character, but now I'm kind of liking him because he's been in the last couple Marvel movies. Howard the Duck. That was a horrible adaptation in the 80s. I can see that. Damn George Lucas. Uh, let's see here. And that tied it because it was another creature, mm-hmm. another animal. The Cat in the Hat. It's half of my number four. Yes! <laughs> that is the most scariest looking thing I've oh, ever seen. Terrible. And we, I saw that movie in theaters as a preview. Did I watch that with you? Uh, must have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right, because what, Spencer Breslin is in that or yes. something? Yes. Uh, yes. Annoying. Oh, it was terrible. Mike Myers and, was the cat. Yeah. Oh. But by, by all means, it got so far away from the original character. I mean, it's like, okay, it's a mischievous cat. That's as close as you got. <laughs> but the book isn't even that great. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. That, but but uh, I'm talking about... Yeah. I mean, my, my list is how when you, you got these characters and, and how they are just done so wrong that they're not even the same character. It was creepy. It, it was. Uh, my number four, I had tied. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. All of them? Yep, from the movie. <laughs> Fuck you, Sean Connery. <laughs> And tied with Street Fighter, the movie, <laughs> all the characters. No, well, no, no. The only good really, I mean, how do you? Was, was there a Street Fighter book? No. Oh shit! Comic book. There's comic book. Was the comic there? book was good. Yes. Okay. The graphic novels were good. Son of a bitch! I just thought of that. Yeah. Damn it! Yeah. It's a video game. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> That's what I'm like. What the literary? I don't remember reading there about was the Street a, Fighter. There was a comic book that actually got good reviews. Was it before the movie? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, until proven otherwise. So League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is my number four. All right. My number four, I had a tie. Hobie uh-huh. did. I had the cat in the hat mm-hmm. tied with the Grinch. I was going to say the Grinch. Yeah, Jim Carrey's Grinch, terrible. That's creepy, too. Especially since it one. wasn't even needed to be done since we've got the perfect Grinch already out there. <sighs> They're remaking the Grinch movie again. Are you serious? That's what the rumor is. Why? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they want to... Spare us from having to watch the Jim Carrey version anymore. I think it's because Dr. Seuss's uh, estate is going, hey, we can make money. <laughs> yeah, the Cat and the, or the uh, Grinch was a bad movie, and people love it. I don't know how. I don't, it's like the Polar Express. I don't get how this is a classic cartoon or a classic kids' film. Yeah. Oh, the film was terrible. I don't even think the book was that good, though, either. So. I'm, not a big, I don't, I'm not even a big Grinch fan of the. Uh, Cartoon. Oh, I am. That, that's eh. one of the best best Christmas. I do like how they're there. all. Well, the thing is, I just always thought the Grinch was the hero of the story, and then they ruined that at the end. But other than that, I did like all of them in Whoville singing around the tree. I thought that was cute. All the Who's down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. Uh, what's your number three? Uh, my number three. It, it it's pretty much the entire movie, uh, but the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, uh, damn it. That was a good one. I should yeah. have put that on. Uh, that was a horrible movie. And I mean, like... You're talking I, the cartoon. The cartoon. Okay. I, I understand, you know, they're going to throw in, like, the the only good part of the movie, I thought, was the, the gargoyles. And, you know, okay, it's Disney. They're going to throw in those type of Jason characters. Jason Alexander. But, I mean, it's like, okay, one, you shouldn't be doing Hunchback of Notre Dame as a kid's story no. anyway. 
Uh, and it's like, okay, we'll take this, you know, deaf mute hunchback and have him sing songs. <laughs> and, As for Otto, though, yeah, 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 she, she perfectly right in line with the no, no way, maybe not. Because the hunchback is not that great of a, a nice of a character in the book either. No, no, the hunchback isn't the <laughs> he sympathetic. Stalks her. Yeah, kidnaps her. Yes, I mean, uh, kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, but it's yeah. I do. I think the one review I still remember that twenty years later. <laughs> Is oh, Esmeralda is, becomes friends with uh, the Hunchback, but doesn't matter. I can't fall in love with you because you're still grotesque. Here's yeah. my other love interest. Yeah. Oh yeah, Thanks, but I Disney. still want the I still want the pretty boy. Yeah. 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 Thanks a lot for that, Disney. But we could be friends. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I would have thrown Quasimodo, off of- the friend zone. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I did think the ending to that was pretty graphic, too. Like, when they killed uh, the bad guy, the count, uh, is it Frollo the ca- or yeah. whatever? When they throw him off. Again, the- another character who they just took any nuance out of the character from the book and just turned him into Jafar. complete evil whatever. They turned him into Jafar. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was a lesser-known version. <laughs> lesser-known, I mean, a worse version. Uh, let's see here. Um, my number three, uh, Deadpool. An X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh. Uh, the mark with the mouth. Let's just close up his mouth. Yeah, let's sew his mouth shut. That's a good and call. And give him powers he doesn't own. Nope. And yeah. Nope. Nope. Wonderful. That was a wonderful idea. That was a terrible one. Yeah. I, I, that one didn't occur to me because they rescued him. They did. They did. So uh, it didn't occur to me to, to do that one. That m- as good as Might have tied my Doctor Doom pick. Uh, so that was as it. As bad of a rendition that was. Uh, number two is worse. Two's worst. Oh, what's your number two? And it's because I love this character a lot. Bane in Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. I thought you were uh, going to go with uh, well, Bane from Bane Batman and the Dark, Dark Knight, Knight Rises. Is, is not great. It's still not Bane. It's not Bane. But especially since but, I didn't have his sidekicks, I yeah. loved his sidekick. But at least he's not in insults to. <sighs> Batman and Robin is so bad with Bane, and they took the character, and they they made him skinny at the end when they took the tubes out of him. Well, oh, yeah, my because God. he couldn't pump up his... Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Jeep Swenson. Yep, I was going to say, the actor that played him, the big version, uh, mm-hmm. he passed away. He was a wrestler, too. Yeah, he died shortly after the movie, didn't he? Well, I probably would, too, if I was in that piece <laughs> of shit. He's like, I can't do this anymore. My heart just gave out. It was like Queen Amidala. He just, he just gave up. He gave up. Died from a broken heart. <laughs> he saw the movie. I'm going to be Bane. I'm going to be in every sequel. Oh, I saw it. I'm dying of a broken heart. So Bane is my number two. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is the Sheriff of Nottingham in the Disney cartoon Robin Hood. How dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> like Robin Hood was a book. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, but that, that Sheriff of Nottingham was the big, stupid, bumbling guy. He wasn't even a good villain. You need a good villain. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Great version of Sheriff. I'll give you that. That's why I had to go with the... But why spoon, cousin? Okay, now I just don't. It was more. I thought it sounded like Jimmy Stewart there. You kind of did, yeah. Why spoon, cousin? Jimmy Stewart as the sheriff's cousin. But uh, just the big, stupid, uh, was he a wolf or yeah, something? Yeah, he's a wolf. 
Oh. How dare you, sir? That is one of the best Disney movies it's, ever. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible Disney you're movie. You're a terrible right? Disney movie. Am I? Sweet. I don't know what that means, but yeah, <laughs> you're a terrible Disney movie. <sighs> Anyways, what well, else? What's your number two. one? Uh, my number one is uh, Hades in Disney's Hercules. I figured that was coming. Well, you should have figured it was coming. He's one of the worst adaptations of a character ever. Let's go ahead and take, like, centuries of beautiful literature and piss it down the, the drain just so we can have a terrible villain. I don't think he was a terrible villain. It's James Woods. Yeah, they got a good person to do it, but it was written so bad. It's not Hades. Whatever you want to say, it's not Hades. No, it is, because it was named Hades. Yeah, but it's... No, no, it was Hades. Well, then again, I suppose maybe you're right, since Hercules isn't even his Greek name, so... I'll tell you one thing. Everything I learned about Greek culture was from that movie. Yeah, and that's what really bothers the (laughs) fuck out of me, is that that's what people think it is. (laughs) Terrible movie. (laughs) Terrible Disneyfication. Sucks. Get so fed up with that movie every single time. It was terrible. It was awesome. It was not good. It actually wasn't good. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't even go Tarzan route. Don't start with Tarzan. It was not good. I love Tarzan the cartoon. Yeah, you're wrong. But well, my daughter has seen that movie a thousand times. Oh. Oh my god, how can you listen to that much Phil Collins? Oh, how can you not? Easily turn it Son off. Son of man. <laughs> Son of man. I'll be in you, deep inside you. Amber Heard. This is the song that won me the Oscar. Uh, my number one is Dr. Doom. Can we agree on an honorable mention? John Smith in Pocahontas, the cartoon. Yeah, it wasn't really literature. <laughs> but so, I mean, it's a history book, I suppose. Could be on shot of history with that. Yeah. I mean, Pocahontas really wanted to make my list, except it wasn't necessarily based off of a, a you know a literature <laughs> literary character. John Smith. <laughs> he loves the Indians. He's fine. <laughs> so on Cinema Sins, which is a great YouTube thing, yeah. uh, they did everything wrong with Pocahontas, the cartoon. Oh boy! And how many sins did that get? <laughs> Probably a record. Well, at first he starts digging them for historical accuracy. He's like, yeah. I can't even fucking do this anymore. There's too many. <laughs> and then he's like, Yes, John Smith. He's a lovely guy. And then he starts singing about the savages. He's like, Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> savages, savages, barely even human. And then the next one was, how the fuck did this get past Disney, (laughs) this song? (laughs) Savages. Well, that's not the one that got him in trouble. The Aladdin song is the one that got him in trouble, that they had to change the words to that. Pocahontas, they should never have made that cartoon, ever, ever. But but then you got the beautiful... Spirit uh, of the Foo Seasons. I don't even know what that was. That was the one Pocahontas sings. There's Uh, leaves... The colors of the around. wind. Yeah, that's it. I was about to. Say, I was about to say you got the beautiful uh, uh, visual. Oh, what's her name? The who played Pocahontas? No, the, the who sang the song. Oh, I don't uh, know. Former Miss America. Celine uh, Dion. Yeah, Celine Dion was a former Miss America. Joan Collins. Joan Collins. <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> Vanessa Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> I was so close. You, you, you were almost there. Samson, I was way off. Uh, yeah, that is a horrible cartoon. They should have never made it. I want to hear what uh, Desmond Hansen has to say about Pokemon. Oh, Lord. Uh, let's see here. Uh, top five listener picks from Matthew McDonald. Uh, the Waffle Man. Uh, number five, Garfield. That's a good one. That is yeah, a good one. I'll give him that. 
Uh, after I saw that, I was like, ah, I should have added that. I, yeah. I don't want copy, though. That yeah. was my... Yeah, Garfield was a good pick. Uh, he is incorrect on 4, 3, 2, and 1. He nope. said all of Riverdale. Never a movie. Uh, Riverdale's a TV show. Suck it! <laughs> Riverdale's awesome. Check out my abs. I love you, Archie. Mmm, Archie abs. <laughs> oh, Jughead's helmet. Wait a minute. That's all right. Anyways, let's uh, see here. Who else got anything? Uh, we got Dev uh, from... Uh, Shroud of History. Number five, Frank Moses in Red. Uh, I like the movie Red. Yeah. I don't know the book enough. Yeah, I don't know so the book to say if it I'm was. going to say sure. Yeah, I'll agree with him. Till proven uh, wrong. He had the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. I don't have an issue with the Mandarin. It is different. Yeah, well, I will give you that. It's not the Mandarin, but it kind of wasn't the Mandarin. Correct. But yeah, I understand what he's saying, though. When, when you hype that the Mandarin's going to be the villain and that's what you get, there you're going to bend a few... Uh, heard a few. There was talk that uh, he might be in a future. Um, the real Mandarin. Yeah, in Avengers, uh, the one after Thanos and that. Ah. So, or he could be making a cameo in the next one. So, of course, they have like eighty-seven people in it. So, and Yondo's Yondu's in it, and they're like not. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker was, was seen on, on the set. set, and I'm like, first off, they better not bring him back because that's going to make just kill it. Second, it's going to be a flashback, if anything. No, they, it's the they, time. It's the time. No, uh, they, 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 I read the story. They flat out brought him on set only because there was rumors going around that he was going to die in the movie uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy because he wasn't in the movie. He was. They, I got so you. they brought him on set just so people would stop like talking that. about the rumors that he was going to die, even though he was. That's a beautiful ending to Guardians. I really like that ending. It was all right. I liked it. Uh, I, but even if they have Yondu in it, who cares? You have the time gem. So what? You could do that yeah, if you really true. need I mean, if you need to. Which, uh, one, which one's the time gem? I mean, I'm trying to figure out where, where, who's got uh, Who's got that one? Oh, that's Doctor Strange. Yes. Yes. Doctor Strange has a time Come gem. to bargain. Dormammu? I love to bargain. Ending. It was so clever. It was different than any other. Oh, uh, I think Blake hated it. Yeah, well, you know, well, Blake. <laughs> time travel. <laughs> Uh, Whiplash, Iron Man 2, and the entire cast of Wanted. From Wanted, he had that. I, I never read the book, so I can't. Whiplash, I will agree. I like Mickey Rourke looked cool, yeah. but it was not good. No. Uh, Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. And Doctor Doom from all the Fantastic Four movies is his number two. Hey, Dev. Uh, number one, all of Suicide Squad in Suicide Squad. Can't argue that. And Venom in Spider-Man 3. Can't argue that. I thought about that one. Yeah. I go back and forth. It was a horrible, you know, version. Yeah. But I'm not a huge Venom fan anyway, so I'm like, eh, I don't care. I think that's the biggest thing. And one reason I tried to get away from, like, being a heavily comic book list yeah. is because there's just been so many different versions of said Correct. people throughout comics that, you know... Not anyone is a definitive one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, what's Tom Hardy's version going to be? We don't yeah. know. I mean, the reason I threw Dr. Doom in there is because there's, you know, different versions of Dr. Doom. None of them are close to the disasters no. they've given us. Uh, let's see here. He had honorable mention. Any attempt to do Dark Phoenix, Green Goblin, Halle Berry, Catwoman, Shaq... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Any attempt to do Dark Phoenix, that yes. is correct. Yeah. Uh, I have no issue with that. That is a horrible version. Please do not do it again, but they're going to. You know, I 
I would like yeah. to see it done right. I just can't see, based on what we saw from the Apocalypse movie, that a Dark Phoenix movie, if they follow that same vein, will be But we'll good. be there. We'll be there. We'll be there night. opening night. They they got us. No, they don't, guys. I just go for like a train wreck now. Yeah, for but they movies. still got you. Yeah. You're going. Yeah. That's the... uh, Green Goblin from Spider-Man. Yeah, that was not good. Uh, Halle Berry, Berry Catwoman. No, no, Daz. That's, or, uh, yeah, Dev, Dev, Dev. Sorry. Dev. That is not Catwoman from the comics. No, no. Yeah. It's, a, it's a whole history of Catwomen. Remember? Come no. on. No, no. I'm sure. I wouldn't put Halle Berry's Catwoman on there because Halle Berry's Catwoman isn't from any book anywhere. That is true. It's her own version. It was an own version. The only similarity is the name Catwoman. Yep. Uh, Shaq as John Henry Arndt. Oh, oh yes. Go Steel. I actually like Steel in the comic books. This was not a good version of Steel. Uh, the Hoff as Nick Fury. Everybody loves Hoff uh, as him. That was yeah, bad. That was bad. But 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 Hoff kind of redeemed himself in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. And Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. I can well. I suppose he was I too old. Nick Cage is terrible, but I never liked Ghost Rider. So Nick Sorry, Cage is ruining a character who isn't that good to begin with. Did you like Ghost Rider on Shield? Uh, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, I'll go, I'll I'll go, go that take it or leave it. I'm just not a fan of the the whole process or yeah. mystery behind Ghost Rider. So. Uh, Sean Coon from Pittsburgh Nerd. Thank you, Sean. Division titles, baby. Uh, the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 was number five. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze from the movie That Shall Not Be Named. <laughs> Ice to see you, Sean. You know what killed the dinosaurs? The stone egg. The ice. <laughs> oh my god! Did you really say the stone age? I didn't age? mean that. The ice age. The stone age killed the dinosaurs. Oh, oh lord. Nice to see you. I want everybody to sing my song. Come on. Uh, three, Venom from Spider-Man 3. Two, Doctor Doom from any Fantastic Four movie. And Catwoman from Catwoman. Talked about some issues. Uh, Jared Mills. Welcome, Jared. Venom. Goddamn Venom. (laughs) Oh, number five. (laughs) He goes, Bullseye and Daredevil from Ben Affleck's Daredevil. How dare you, sir? It was terrible. No, it wasn't. Bullseye was awesome. They just needed to give him a Bullseye and Daredevil were both bad. You're bad. I am. Number four, Ang Lee's Hulk. Yes. I like his style, like he was yeah, trying to make I, it as a comic I, I, book. Yeah, I didn't re- dislike it. He missed, but I liked the direction he was trying to go. There's nothing going on in that movie, though. It was not good. Oh, the, the whole uh, Nick Nolte as yeah. Bruce Banner's father storyline, I think, is what really killed it. Look, I'm electric at the end. Ah. Yeah. Uh Everything in Batman and Robin? How dare you? A Batman credit card. Uh, yeah, even the Bat credit card was a terrible character. Uh, yeah, how do you do- join that? I mean, how does he get a Batman credit card? Where does that bill go? Yeah, it goes to the Batcave. Or does it go straight to the city? Does the city own it? Oh, good city question. pay it? Does the city pay it? Or or, well, or, does, then, or does he just pay it online coming out of... That was too early. Uh, uh, that was 97. That wasn't it online. They couldn't pay online then? He probably could, but not much. I don't think it was... Wire transfers from the Cayman Islands? Well, my issue is this, though. If he was... If that credit card was to the city, then the city is basically as Batman in his back pocket. There's some conflict of interest there. They would not be breaking up the, you know, the Gotham police, you know, the corporate, the, uh, um, what do you call it, the corruption. I think there's an issue there. Were they breaking up the corruption in 
I don't know. Batman just, and well, Robin. If you watch Gotham, they're breaking up corruption everywhere. Well, week. yeah, but that's not from Batman <laughs> and Robin. They all blur together. <laughs> uh, number two, Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. You know, I don't think it ages well. No. I'll say with the time it came out, I didn't dislike it. Yeah. And certainly when you're going to compare it to what we've already seen from Tom Holland, there isn't a comparison. Correct. He plays Nathan Drake in the new Uncharted uh, movie. I saw that. I, He's playing a younger version. D- yeah, a real young version. Nathan Fillion would have been better. Well, as an older version, yeah. I think he'd be terrible as a young version. Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> Did you see in Guardians, they cut it out, but he was, uh, Nathan Fillion was on a poster in the background. Like, really Nathan Fillion? Yes. Or the character he had from Guardians? No, no. One? He's playing a character of Wonder Man. It was a new movie coming out. Uh, oh, Wonder Man movie? No, no, he plays or, the guy that becomes Wonder Man. Yeah, uh, Simon, Simon Pegg. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Simon Pegg, yeah. But no, it's uh, whatever movie starring Simon Williams. Williams? Williams? It might be Williams. But I thought, oh, how great would that be if he's, if he's Wonder Man? That would be awesome. That would be. Uh, number one from Jared Miller. Previous mansion, Venom. Goddamn Venom. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, there is your top five, and uh, we have a bad idea this week. Uh, none. Well, I, 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 because of all the bad things going around in the world, I just want to send out some good, happy vibes. So, no bad idea this week. Well, the bad idea: people who refuse to flip their pictures so words are backwards in them. That's uh, number nine thousand six hundred and five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Be nice to each other. Roger says goodbye. Goodbye. From walking dead to talking heads, from comic books to TV sets, there's a history of not so bad. There's the history. It's the history of bad. So bad. The history of bad. It's bad. The history of bad ideas. Podcast. Oh, yes. You were listening to Hobie. <laughs>